0: Saturday, October the 8th, 2022. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. We have a fun one for you where we'll dive into a couple best bets for Santa Anita Sunday. And then we have to catch up with Andor and with She-Hulk. We have Andor episodes 4 and 5 recapped with Trevor Hayes and Michael Foster. A couple of my buddies from Louisiana Downs. They join to help us dive into everything that happened in episode 4 and episode 5 of Andor. And then we get to she hulk She-Hulk has a 9 episode run and we talk about episodes 7 and 8 as we head into the season finale Tim Kelly joins us like he always does and we are really excited to discuss episodes 7 and 8 So spoiler alert, later on we will get into everything that happened And if you're a Marvel MCU fan, you will really enjoy what happened in the the most recent episode of She-Hulk all of that will be on this episode That's presented by BetterThan.Vegas At BTV Bets. Go give them a follow right now on Twitter And check out the free content that they have A crew of handicappers and gamblers From all around the world Providing you insight, information, analysis And helping you become a, a better, better Everything's free over at BTV. Um Hosting a Sunday morning football show, eleven o'clock AM Eastern Time. Come hang out with us on Sunday morning and get all set up for your NFL Sunday. Well, let's dive on into the horse racing portion of this episode. Let's talk a little bit about Santa Anita Sunday with some best bets. Mm-hmm. Horse racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form, for years, studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to drf.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse. And you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with, with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator, for charts, for replays, if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic past performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers, you get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph, you can rotate your phone for the best view. And Any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines You can easily move from horse to horse The same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances You get an interactive format Which is very similar to the DRF classic version that you're used to on the desktop Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone Cross device functionality You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next And then access your account on any of your devices On the go handicapping and wagering
1: Fantasy comes
0: true But no, no, no Stable Duel
2: Download the Stable Duel app and play today
0: Right now is a fun time at Stable Duel because Keeneland always Keeneland contest so on Sunday if you're looking to play some Stable Duel you have some really nice options with Keeneland has a, having a $10 game and a $60 game Santa Anita has two different games and then Golden Gate has a $5 game so we'll give you a couple plays right now uh, at Santa Anita. A couple horses that you can use in your Stable dual lineups. And I'm a big fan of Keeneland. We'll be talking about Keeneland over the next few weeks leading into the Breeders' Cup. Stable Duel. Get those entries in and play race win. Let's talk a little Santa Anita Sunday. Let's dish out a couple plays for Sunday at Santa Anita. Let's move to the fifth race, which is a stakes race. It's the Surfer Girl. Comanche Country... Is the horse to beat in there, no doubt about it So we'll use her in all exotics Throw in Havana Angel For Leonard Powell, she made her US debut on September the 10th She got some action that day And she has every right to take a big Step forward in her second start In the US, her second time going Long, she had some good races Sprinting in France and And overseas, so I'm going to give Havana Angel a look along with Comanche Country. I'll use the two of them in all exotics there in race number 5 on Sunday. Let's continue along to race number 7. I'm going to go to the outside in here with Rocking Redhead. I did think Counterparty Risk is a major player, so I will use Counterparty Risk all over, but Rocking Redhead, this 5-year-old mayor, comes out of a couple races where she had some legitimate trouble. On August the 13th, She faced Grade 2 Company in the Yellow Ribbon, she was 5th or 6th early on, and about 5 lengths off. She was in the two path, then she gets caught in traffic in between horses and she just never has a shot. When you are facing a tough group like that, things need to all go well for you to get a victory. You have to deal with some trouble. She wasn't going to be able to beat that type of a group. They send her over to Kentucky and they try against $400,000 stakes foes. That's a tough race. She's close up, she's in between horses And then she's just behind the leaders traveling well But she has nowhere to go And when the horses from the outside sort of loom up She's surrounded all over, never gets a chance to run And they wrap up on her late Rocking Redhead, if she's anything around 5 to 1 We'll make a win wager there I'll be including her with counterparty risk in all exotics That's in race number 7 on Sunday Let's move to race number 10 on Sunday, we'll close out the card I'm a, v- a big fan of the four Dandy Man Shines This guy ran in some serious trouble On September the 11th At Del Mar, ran into traffic He was traveling well He had to wait behind horses Once he started the move, he tried to go In between horses in the stretch And he got squeezed out of a spot Dandy Man Shines Is very talented and i think he's ready to run a big one off of that trouble trip last time out. Valiancer also got some trouble uh, had some trouble. Aw, geez. just raced 5 days uh, 7 days ago and wheels back quickly. For a laugh was extremely impressive. Those are a couple that i'll use along with the 4 but I'll, I'll playing uh, i'll be playing some tickets where Dandy Man shines is a single for me in some of the exotics. So that's Sunday over at Santa Anita. Best of luck playing the Sunday races, playing the NFL games If you need any help with NFL, on our previous episode We did analysis for each of the Sunday NFL games and the Monday Night Football game with Eric So all those games have been broken down for you for football fans Before we jump into Andor, let's talk a little bit about one of the longtime sponsors of That's What She Said Cindy Carava full service realtor Cindy Carava her website cindycarava.com and as a full service realtor she can help you out with buying with selling with leasing she can connect you with the right type of vendors if you're looking for home improvement if you need help with the uh, you know gardening landscaping painting she'll put you in touch with people that she knows and she has worked with and she has experience with if you have uh, some problems with the Loan process, she'll connect you with the right Type of lenders that will help expedite That process for you, that will Help make sure to find out Any specifics or any details And make your life a lot easier That's what she wants to do, she wants to make Life easier for you She is one of the kindest and most genuine people I've ever met Cindy Carava. check out the site cindycarava.com. you'll find Listings there, information about her, any type of contact info And then on Yelp and Zillow You'll also find reviews From some of the folks that she's worked with Fans of fandom We got a big show coming up for you here Andor episodes 4 and 5 Spoiler alert We dive into everything That's happened so far in Andor All the way up to episode 5 Trevor Hayes joins me, Michael Foster joins me Both of them worked on the Louisiana Downs broadcast as part of the production crew I was very lucky to be able to interact with them A couple talented guys and they're also big Star Wars fans So I was lucky to have them join me to talk episodes 4 and episodes 5 We get into everything, we kind of go in chronological order And we talk about how all of it relates to the greater Star Wars universe Kick back Star Wars fans and enjoy as we dive into Andor Back after a week off to catch up with Andor Episodes 4 and 5 are on the menu today And we have a, a couple of our friends back that have joined us before helped us talk a little ob1 and talk just some overall star wars talking about trevor hayes and michael foster i worked with both of these gentlemen on the louisiana downs broadcast and they were two of the guys who always were helping me out in my ears and uh, having to hear my annoying voice so uh, after a week of not hearing it hey you get to hear it more and talk uh, talk more with me guys so uh, trevor thanks for joining us man how you doing today
3: I've missed you so much, Gino. Yeah,
0: <laughs> Separation anxiety, Foster, after just about a week or so, if you didn't hear me rambling and, and rattling and uh, cracking myself up enough over the last uh, almost six months.
4: Yeah, you know, it's been too long, Gino. Uh, I'm excited <laughs> to be here.
0: Well, let's start with you, Foster. Just give us some overall thoughts. We're five episodes in now, and it in from what I've been researching, it seems like the This particular series, Andor, is going to have three episode arcs in what I believe will be a 12-parter. So I think we're about halfway through, and we'll probably get like two more of these arcs set up. Now, talk to us overall. Positives, negatives, what are you feeling about five episodes through? And a spoiler alert for everyone, we're going to be talking about everything Mm -hmm. that's happened so far, episodes one through five, and just kind of everything overall in the greater Star Wars universe, because it's sort of
4: hard not to talk about how some things connect. Um, yeah. Overall, uh, overall opinions early on. I mean, overall opinions. I'm, uh, the fact that I'm, I'm so pumped for the next episode, uh, says how invested I've become. And, and it is clear that they're doing the three episode arcs because it does feel like episodes one, two, and three were its own thing. And then I guess four or five and six. And I was watching this episode five and like pausing it. And I was like, hold on. I'm, are we going to see like the heist? And then, as it you know, ticked closer and closer to the end of the episode, I was like, "No, we're not."
0: And 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 okay. I will say, that sort of says what a good job they've been doing with this series. Because mm-hmm. in like the fifth episode, like nothing happens. Like not, it's just a lot of setup and kind of talking yeah. and exposition. But it's good dialogue, and we're getting to see a different side of Star Wars. So it it's just it's interesting. They they've kept us invested when he may have looked on paper and and said what okay we're like five episodes through and we still haven't like gotten even really do a heist there was like no real action in this episode
4: yeah i think i think they're banking on um a few seasons it feels like but i'm loving it so far uh you know i'm i'm excited to talk about it and uh this is kind of surprising because the last time i was on i think i made i think i talked about my feelings about rogue one and it's not my favorite but the andor character i felt like was kind of the more compelling character from that movie and so i'm 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 excited uh to see really go with it trevor talk to us uh about some of your thoughts five episodes in he's such a badass i know he's just,
3: just diego luna just is is doing a great job and and or himself like i like like foster said i, I am so invested in in everything he does it's funny my wife and i watched the show and like you know Uh, like the, the, some of the Imperials that we haven't really gotten to know quite as much yet. Um, you know, like, uh, like Debra and those, those folks, I'm like, I I don't, I don't care. I don't care about her. Like why I don't, I don't want to see her right now. I don't care about her. And I understand that like, we have to continue seeing her and following through her story because she's going to become a player at some point. Um, our thought is that like Tigo, the, uh, the guy that ran the botched, um, uh, thing uh, at, at on on his home uh, planet on Andor's home planet, like the the mission to to catch Andor, um, that he's probably going to end up joining the all the the white Imperial, like the white coated Imperials. There um, are or, some. Or they, they've
0: left so many like doors yeah. open with with these characters, which are great because what makes it interesting is some a couple of the characters you were mentioning, and, and we'll get into them uh, a little bit. Um, I think one of them Deirdre and then with we see some of them it's hard not to compare some of them I, I saw in other recaps to like Dwight Schrute type characters you know that are <laughs> just they, they take their job very seriously but when we watch them like it's it's hard to really say they're a bad
4: guy because they're really just trying to do their job to the best but they're sort of yes you, you know and that, right Foster it's like I think that's a great point you know is I mean they're all they're all baddies, but you do you, you get shades of the badness. Uh, it, and it's like you well, can they're, kind of they're relate doing to a, it. And, go ahead, Trevor. No, they they're doing a
3: good job of humanizing everybody and giving everybody yes. a touch to a backstory.
0: You that feel for Karn like, when he's sitting there with his mom, because everybody's had that where your mom is like Telling like your mom's worried (laughs) or they're overprotective. or Let me
4: call your uncle. I'm going to call your uncle. It's like, oh God,
0: mom. And he's looking at the suit. His cereal's just soggy because his mom's just been sitting there nagging him for so long. And you feel for this guy. I keep Trevor thinking now, ever since this episode and that scene in the Mandalorian with Bill Burr, where he talked about how, you know, we thought we were doing what was right. And we're out there fighting – like, all these people are fighting a war, and nobody even knew who they were fighting for or what they were fighting for. And it all – like you were saying too, uh, Foster, it's about the shades, and, like, it's all about perspective. You can tweak something. Cobra Kai twi- tweaks it real, it real quickly, and all of a sudden, uh like – you look at Johnny Lawrence, and now he's the good guy, and now he's right. not the bad guy anymore. It's really amazing that that you're able to do this, and they they do they're doing it really well right now, Trevor.
3: Yeah, I, I think I think that's exactly right, Gino. Like they've given like there's so much, in, especially in episode four. There's so much talk about, you know, oh, this is going to further my career. This is going to advance my career. Those are conversations that that you and I or Foster and I have had, like is this helping my career these are just regular people like trying to like make a living and and rise through the ranks and and like do their thing not a but bunch of they're, lightsaber they're... stuff you
0: know it's just different star wars
3: but they're not like what my, my point is like they're not straight up evil like these they're aren't not. like these aren't grand Marf tarkin like these aren't these aren't evil people they're just like normal dudes just trying to make a living in in the the galaxy and and i think it's very interesting and compelling that you know
0: you you kind of get that This feels like one of the shows If if you had a friend That was like ah, I'm not gonna watch Star Wars I'm not in all those lightsaber things You might show them this show To start and say Like look at look at this side of Star Wars Like this is a little different like this is just t- Showing how there are different people All over who are displaced They're angry with the Evil leader it's like a really simple Story to follow and I really kind of was thinking the same thing that you were thinking, Foster, coming out of episode five in that, wow, we we didn't even get to the heist yet, but I'm I didn't feel bored. I just I want it to come
4: now. I'm 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 in it. You know, I'm ready for it. Yeah, these these characters are fun to watch. And like the sets look great. The the landscapes, wherever they're shooting, these exteriors, you know, look amazing. And they're doing a really good, really good job with the character development where any we haven't even seen like a a true like stormtrooper yet No, which is which boggled my mind but yeah i'm i'm curious the only thing i think the show has against it is we know ultimately where it leads I got the time clock right it's kind but, of ticking yep but i think but i'm at the point where everything is everything's like a reboot or a prequel i could just turn that part of my brain off i think In- and, and and just enjoy what i'm watching and enough oh, of and this. To feels- that point. Go ahead, Trevor. Yeah. Sorry, to, to that point, you know,
3: it's not just like they've done such a good job of investing you in all these different pieces and all these different characters. So I mean, we the only person in this show, well, I guess there's two that we've met that we know like what happens to them is is Andor and then Mon Mothma. Mm-hmm. Like those are the only two people we know where their future lies. So all these other people, Vel and Skeen and you know, um Karn and, and all these other people that have popped up, we don't
0: know what their future is. And so it's I think unexplored. that makes that makes it the, yeah, it's it's a good time period too, because we just don't know a whole lot about this time. We know where we get to, but this is a good place to sort of explore and they've built a they've built it really, really well. I just this sort of feels like the type of show too, with the storytelling and stuff like. This is an award award show. Like, this show will win some awards, not only because Star Wars shows win stuff for, like, visuals. But this is just really, really well told so far. And I'm excited for Episode 6. But let's talk a little bit more about where we get to uh, Episode 6 and Episode 4 and Episode 5. So, in Episode 4, it's called Eldani. And we pick up with Luthan and Cassian heading to Eldani. They just escaped Ferrix, And Cassian's slightly wounded. Uh Luthan gives him a little mednog. Take a little bit of that for pain. Just a little
4: uh swig. Um that's by and, the way do you know that's what I say every Christmas. I'm like yeah, this, is, little, this is this med- is med-nog. mednog. Right? It's, yeah. Yeah. This is I'm not <laughs> overdoing it. I'm gonna, that's a this great
3: one spice, sp- it, are you talking about spicy mednog, Foster? Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly.
0: <laughs> you got, I'm going to put uh, my own label on it now. Mednog. Just stick it right on top of it uh come Christmas time. But Okay,
3: speaking to derail us even more, speaking go ahead, speaking of Please, that's what of, this is all of, about. of franchising things and and finding things to sell. I want corn cereal. Oh yeah. And obviously okay. like we don't have blue milk. Like if you go to the Galaxy's Edge at Disney, you can buy blue milk. But, like, blue milk, but like we don't have blue milk. But I remember there was a thing in the 90s where like there was a certain kind of cereal and it would turn your milk blue. Yep. Why do we not have corn cereal and then when you add your own milk to it it turns the milk blue?
0: It's got to, there's got to be one coming, right? If, and if not, and they hear this, like, man, you're going to have just lost out on a lot of money. So that's a bummer, but yeah, like, that's a great idea, right? This a great idea. You better copyright that thing soon. I I'll, I can hold out on the podcast for like two days. If you want to go put in a, uh, put in a copyright there, <laughs> but it's, we always have to get the throwbacks to the blue milk. It makes you feel warm and fuzzy when you see it. And, um, we got that in just a little bit with corn, but we get to El and you know that's that's where we're heading first. that's that's the place where the rebels have a small group that are going to be planning this heist. these this is the early stages of the rebellion where they they're not even organized. There are little any pockets and groups of people all over that are trying to kind of rise up, but they don't have money, they don't really have power and they don't have a whole lot of way to communicate. so, what we're seeing is a big heist being planned that will help the rebels get enough money to kind of fund their fund their efforts for a, a little while and we'll continue to sort of check back in through episode 4 with the the rebels on Eldani. and there are two or three actually for both episodes it's pretty similar um we have like you know, three or four locations that we just sort of bounce around from and one of them is the location there on Aldani the next one is when we get to see the uh um the character that you had referenced a little earlier on Deirdre Miro she's this ambitious officer and she's an imperial secret police they're the imperial security bureau they're like a uh, they're like the intelligence gathering sector They're supposed to be kind of like the FBI But they, they just look very Like, they still don't really look like They care all that much Their their role, as we hear from The Major in just a minute Who is Kyburn from Game of Thrones Major uh, Partigaz He kind of tells them They're healthcare providers And they're not really security So, uh, let's start with uh, Just getting to Coruscant, then seeing the the uh, these officers. This is the first time we actually meet this group who you referenced a little bit earlier, Trevor. And they they kind of have this weird role where they don't seem like they really want to raise a lot of attention about crime. They kind of want to sweep a lot of it under the rug because it, then it makes it seem like they're not quite doing their job. They're like all these middlemen who. Nobody seems to really care about the crime. They just
4: want to kind of push it away. Yeah, this and these are the are these the uh, the imperial officers that yep. uh, are They're all called dead. the ISP, uh, the, I, the Imperial yes. Security Bureau, like a, like a secret police. Yeah, yeah. And it seems like everyone's just interested in in just furthering their career. Mm-hmm. Not even not even so much as you know. I think very few of them actually like believe in the empire itself and whatever the empire's mission is. They just. You know, want to get that bonus and get that promotion, um, and uh, yeah, they're kind of like vipers, mm-hmm. a little bit, and like very quickly will shoot down somebody um, if they're like, becoming a little too uppity. Um, and and I kind of like uh, what is it the character's name? Debra? I think it's Deirdre Miro. Yeah. Uh, you kind. No, it's, I, I it's, kind I of like her. Debra. I thought it was oh, Debra. Debra, like Debra,
3: okay. like Debra,
4: but Debra. Let me see. Yeah. Let's see. I have okay. the subtitles on, and I missed that still. <laughs> Uh, it's D-E-D-R-A is what, what D-E-D-R-A. it looks like, D-E-D like, so I yeah, think it's, D-R-A. yeah okay, D-R-A. okay okay by the way, can My we bad. talk really fast you know, all these names are, like you know, super, super Star Wars-y and then the guy is, I know he's in the Tim. earlier episodes Tim, Tim, I love that they had to like Star Wars up his name by adding I know, with the M. two M's,
0: <laughs> it's like, come on can't we just get a Jack and a John uh, in here, please, Tim, come on
2: <laughs> so, it is good stuff
0: like his
3: last name was Carlo, they should have just called him Carlo,
0: <laughs> I know And we, we do see, um, right before we're even introduced to them, Trevor, that Luthen knows Cassian because Cassian tells him a little bit about his story. He says, you don't know me. I fought in Minbin when I was 16, straight out of prison, into the mud. I'm one of 50 that survived. Who did it turn out? We were fighting. And Luthan says, please, you were on the ground in Mimmin for six months, you came in as a cook, you lived because you ran, but you're right about one thing, the Empire had you fighting each other, which should make you hate them all the more, Uh, and you do, I know the outside, what people tell me when I ask what you are, the rest, I imagine, I imagine your hate, I imagine no matter what you tell me or yourself, you'll ultimately die fighting these bastards, so what I'm asking is, wouldn't you rather give it all at once to something real, then carve off useless pieces till so there's nothing left. said, I didn't risk my ass for the star path unit. I came for you. So that's sort of a, I didn't want to, I want to make sure we didn't skip over that. Cause that, that was a big conversation they had where Luthen knows him. And he did a little research on him. And we know that he, he needs a guy like Cassian, someone who is smart, who is tough. Like you said right away, the first thing you said, who is just a badass, who you'd want to be stranded on a desert island with. This guy is perceptive. He's sharp. He's just been there, and he's done that almost down any road. And it, his crew, this Rebel crew, they need an extra hand. That, that's th- – yeah. it wasn't about the, the the piece of equipment.
4: Yeah, and, it's, and it becomes very right. clear when he – and I love all the little moments. you got to love like characters, smart characters being smart. You know, when Andor is, is giving out his like little nuggets of wisdom and the fact that he survived. And I think that's one of the reasons Luthen likes him is he's a survivor. And this rebel alliance to even, you know, become what it is going to become, it has to like survive first, you know, and then it can grow and then become a, a force to be reckoned with.
3: Well, and he keeps making that point. He's like, I want to I, I want it like in episode six, I believe he says something like. I want to do the heist and live. I want to go like, mm-hmm. I want to walk out of there. Like he keeps, you You mentioned he's a survivor. Like he is constantly thinking about the fact that he wants to save his own skin, which I believe is a direct quote from him at another point.
0: Yep. And some um, of them are, he sort of gets the feeling too, that some of them are content with just, Hey, we may just die, but if this kind of works, we're okay with that. He's like, hell no. Like I want to live. Like you know, I'm not quite as into this cause as you guys are. We, I can help you do it. And I'll, definitely help you do it better than some of you who didn't even know how to what's going to happen with this freaking plane and how we're going to get this out of here. But, um, th- that's, that's where we go next. We get to Aldani, but Luthen has well, to, and, and
3: can I, can I, can I back you up for a second? Please, please do. So, you know, we, you, you mentioned, I, I, we've been calling these the rebels, but like they aren't really. No, because, because, you know, there's, there's, I pulled up the transcript that from, from the episode and, he he says, um, "Who who are they?" Uh, he's talking to Luthen before they before they land. He's like, "Who are they?" Alliance, Sep, Guerrera, Partisan Front, and he just responds, "One of them." Isn't it all the same? It is to me. Like they like, and and there's a little nugget in there. Like Alliance, obviously that's the Rebel Alliance, that's the cause that we know you know through mm-hmm. the, the the original trilogy. But he says Guer, Guerrera, which is you so, know, yeah. um, saw Guerrera, yeah, from uh-huh. from Rogue One. So, like, there's, there's, de- and Sep, I, I would imagine, as separatists from separatists, like the yep. original, mm-hmm. or from, from the prequel trilogy. So, like, there's, there's like little pockets, and like, nobody really knows. There's no organization, and nobody really and knows and what's going on. That is
0: what one of these characters that we meet that's part of this group, uh, the character of Nemec, that's sort of what he wants to do. When he, he talks about in episode five, putting together this like manifesto for all the people out there to kind of unite them because one of our characters that we meet Skeen Richie from the bear. If you've anyone has recently watched the bear, fantastic. It was show. Very good. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, he, he can't even really explain his feelings. You know, he's trying to get him out, but it takes him a couple of conversations with Cassia to finally like explain his motivation and what he really feels and what happened to his family. But it's, it you're absolutely right. It's it's why the empire is a little bit uh, kind of fat and lazy right now, because they know that even if there are these little groups of people that rise up and hate them, these people aren't going to be able to organize there. It's like a bunch of different tribes trying to speak the
4: same language coming together. I think um, I I really think that Nemec character is so fascinating and was saying a, a lot of really interesting stuff. Um, I was gonna try and pull up the line, but his basically his uh, his thesis about like oppression and mm-hmm. and the oppression of thought. Um, I was like, wow, that's actually kind of in a really profound and, and interesting way of looking at it. Uh, are we allowed to make predictions? Absolutely, please. I think Nemic, I think Nemec's gonna die. I know, right? because
0: he's such a sweet 100%. guy. And
4: yeah, he's, he's gonna die. He's gonna give the manifesto to somebody, maybe you know, to Cassie and be like, finish this. Get yeah. This out there You're right? that's kind of i mean or maybe, I would say maybe
3: he meets like maybe he meets like a mon mothma at some point
0: yeah that's like the four to five favorite with shane wilson you know in this one or you know the carl broberg first off the claim right here <laughs> i think that's i think that's <laughs> for for the louis the few louisiana dan downs fans that will get that reference out there but yeah I, that was a great call uh foster because I, I was thinking that right away it's like oh this guy is so sweet we let la- oh
4: he's going to die. Yeah. <laughs> we can't <laughs> we but just based on the tone and it, you know, you do have to kind of have somebody die because you got to be reminded of the stakes. The, and, it, and so I don't think mis- they're all going to make it back.
3: Yep. Yep. Do you guys recognize him? The 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 kid that plays Nimic? I don't think uh so. no. He was uh young Alan Turing in the Imitation Game
0: oh okay wow okay well, look at that yeah, i mean i nice feel cool. like i
3: watched i feel like i watched that on a plane recently and i, I was I, I so when i watched, when i saw him pop up in the episode i was like who is that i recognize him
0: so we actually see uh that luthan gives cassian a kyber crystal this is very important because uh, kyber crystals are worth a ton these are the energy crystals that can power lightsabers. So Cassian doesn't have anything. Remember, this guy just left his home on the run being hunted. Well, they also power,
3: they, I mean, as we learned in Rogue One, they also power the Death Star weapon.
0: Yes. Like they, yes. They can be
3: used for a lot of different things. It's not just lightsabers.
0: And they're going, now when they land on Eldani, Luthan wants to get out for a minute and sort of let, let the people there know that Cassian has arrived Luthen speaks With Vel who's the leader Of the the mission That they're on there and uh, Cassian has to choose An alias so to These people he will be known as Clem Which is uh, the name that uh, was His kind of foster father's Name Um, we see Clem In the earlier episodes When uh, and we hear The name Clem when Luthen mentioned that Clem was was uh, hanged So I when I, the first time I, I watched this, I got the feeling that like Vel and Luthin, they almost felt like a father daughter relationship, like the way they were sort of talking. But I, they haven't referenced that at all. So I don't know. Maybe they were just people that were comfortable with each other. But uh, Foster, Vel is this the leader of our group. We've referenced a few of the, the group now that are on Eldani, but Vel is the leader. Uh, Karis Nemec he's sort of the IT guy, he's the smart guy. He's dealing with all the gadgets, the fix-it guy, technology. You have and he Sintra. built a model. Yep, yep. You have Sintra, who is she's sort of the cook and the, and the medic. And she is Vel. She looks like she's Vel's love interest that Cassian's kind of getting a little flirty with. Uh, we also know Skeen, who's Richie from the Bear. Lieutenant Gorn, who's a real key to this whole process. He's the, the double agent who actually is part of the... Uh, He's an Imperial officer, and he helps Get them information, and he helps set the Whole thing up, then you have Tamaran. So that's, that's our crew That's out on Eldani Foster, they've been Prepping this mission, this serious Mission, for I think Months, they say, and now all of a sudden A few days before They have this new guy that's brought in I can understand why all these people are a little bit upset and frustrated, especially the leader, Vel, who has no idea what's happening. She kind of they kind of just have to do what Luthen says, though, because he's the money, you know, like he's the guy that yeah. helps
4: fund them. And Luthen's like, uh, he's like, you're going to have to deal-, deal with it. No questions. Um, Sorry. Yep. Here's this dude. And and and, you know, Vel has to you know, sign off on it, has to come back to camp and be like, yeah, I, I, this was the plan all along. <laughs> I, I think it's like if your significant other brought home like a mangy cat and was like, we, we're going to keep this cat. You yeah. can't, you know, fight me on this. Um, um, uh, all right. Uh, I guess. Yeah. And they're suspicious, I, I was gonna, of course.
3: I was going to say it's more like, you know, when you're working for Louisiana Downs for two years and then Louisiana Downs is like, oh, hey, you've got to take on this new handicapper. Oh,
0: that's <laughs> <laughs> that's very similar <laughs> just thrust him you know, on foster, you right foster, before
3: foster and i have been doing louisiana downs for you know since i've been doing it for three years and foster's been doing it since last summer what? and then we
0: don't even know all this of a sudden
3: guy. all of a sudden What's... you know may hits and and they're like oh hey there's this Geno guy that you've got to put
0: this on." this guy's gonna be on the live mic what is he gonna say we don't even know oh no <laughs> but uh it trevor it, it's not it's definitely not a comfortable situation for Cassian to get thrown into, I, and so it's it's uncomfortable for everyone because he shows up, he doesn't have anything except for this crystal. He doesn't even really know where the hell he is. He doesn't know what he's doing. He just sort of knows he's been hired to help with this job. Luthen was mentioning, you know, a, a cause. So he's Cassian's not stupid. He, I think, he can understand that he's doing something, and they're going to be taking from, you know the empire in some way shape or form but it's it's just not even till the end of episode five it's not comfortable and a lot of what we see in episode four and five is all of these people that are now on this team where they're going to have their lives in each other's hands they have to just quickly get comfortable with each other over a a very short period of time yeah
3: it's it's definitely mean, it's like you, you summed it up it's definitely uncomfortable there's a lot of very uncomfortable looks and glances uh and, and like <laughs> i'm actually i have it playing in the background right now and there's a, a scene at a campfire where they're about to hand him a, a data pad so he can he can um you know start studying and prepping for this Learning thing the languages and, five days yeah. and, and or five that they, they, they've been working on it for five months and he has three days to learn it all and, like, right before, um, you know, he's, like, looking down eating his food. And right before Tamron hands him the pad, there's, like, literally every member sitting around the fire, like, gives him a side eye and a glance. Like, who is this guy? Can we trust him? Is this guy going to kill us? Like, <laughs> and Andor doesn't even, like, I'm sure he feels it and he knows because, like, we've said he's very perceptive. But, like, just the way it's cut and shot, like, every single person at the campfire, like, gives him the glare. Right before he's handed this data pad,
0: and he's just sitting there eating his dinner. Just just not, not like he's again, he's been in all these types of situations. So, uh, we'll get back to Eldani in a second, but we actually see um, a couple of the officers Karn and Mosk and their commander they're all relieved of their duties by Sergeant Blevin. Um, he relinquished, uh, he asked them to relinquish any comm links, weapons, and scan docs. You will not return to your living quarters. You will leave here and be escorted with haste to the transfer center where you'll be issued with any personal items.
4: and they're out. um yeah, after- I feel bad for I feel bad for like Karn's like that that's sup- his superior that like older security guy I know who was like, he- hey, it's clear that like our guys, you know, this is a callback to to the first episode, but it's clear they weren't doing what they were supposed to doing. And and let it make it an accident, and because Karn decides to pursue it, all these you know, these dominoes, you know, start, uh-huh. start, start, people start are dead over, yeah, people are dead. A lot of people are dead, people are and, losing uh, their jobs, and, and, and the Empire and the Empire made a uh, very uh, big enemy. So, I just think it's kind and of there's funny. Still,
0: I mean,
3: the, with with the his boss, there's still like that that sense of like not caring and just trying to further your career because he's like. We want our crime numbers to be down because I'm about to go to a conference, blah blah blah. Yeah. Yeah. Like which is exactly what you said um, you know, about all the guys that are, are all the IPS guys that are managing their own districts.
0: So we just continue to check back in with uh Cassian and Vel as uh they arrive at uh the camp. One thing about being on El there are Supposed to be just some Kind of farmers and mystics That are left on this planet So there's not supposed to be large groups Of people and we see TIE fighters that fly over And sort of patrol The planet just to see what's going on And it's like A cop that's like just Driving through red lights like they're just Flying by fast like really Low just to kind of screw with the people And we actually see that this group will, will try to hide a lot of the times to stay out of it. But, Foster, it's, it's kind of a scary experience. We normally haven't seen a TIE fighter feel so terrifying when we're seeing it from, like, that ground level where it's right there
4: over us and how they literally have to kind of go diving behind the rocks. Yeah, it, it's, it is like, like oh, that's actually kind of like a threat. Because, like, TIE fighters, I feel like they're just... They're, they're they're nothing when you're in a dog fighting mm-hmm. space for the yep. most part
0: kind of roll your eyes you're like oh a couple of tie fighters right <laughs> exactly yeah, okay.
4: uh, but uh but yeah those shots where it's flying really low and they're really scared of it it's nice to have this reminder of yeah the empire is a scary threat and if they got discovered i mean the the, the plot would just be over immediately and they would be dead
0: so trevor your girl uh deidre she she's sort of asked at this big meeting to kind of stand down. Like nobody, nobody wants any like investigations being done. It's just, Hey, we let's just move on to the next thing. We want to try to put a bow on everything, sweep it. Like you said, keep the, keep our numbers down 45 days since our last accident, 50 days since the last accident. That's all they want. They just want to be able to to clock that. But She has a little bit more ambition, and so she wants to investigate what what she's seeing. And she's seeing, like, a lot of these kind of small crimes um, around the galaxy. And there's, like, little things here and there that are happening. Um, She said, you know, "Uh, that's our box from Styrgard. In sign, retrieved a seal Imperial NS9 Starpath unit from the site. She's finding, like, little things all over the place. And um, so she's like her antenna are up right now. And and so now we've seen a few different people on a few different levels who don't want to just fall in line with Deirdre and with Karn who both think they can do more. Yeah. So
3: I, I think there's a couple of thoughts I've got here it is one. I think. I, I think I said Tigo earlier and I don't even know where I pulled that from. Cause I did. A, oh, he's
0: one of the, uh, he's, he's one of the other like um, officers Imperial. Okay. I think it's, it's okay. I think it's Cyril. Cyril Karn is probably where you, where you were thinking for his first. Yeah. Cyril, yeah. Yeah. So Karn, Karn is
3: who I was, I meant earlier when I said Tigo, but I think Karn is going to hook up with Debra. Debra. Yeah. Right. I, I, I think, cause I think, I mean, we've seen him that that's sort of the thing with like a, a season. That's got like these three episode arcs is like, those first 3 episodes were all on Kanari and following what andor is doing on Kanari. and you get the sense that you might never see Kanari again
1: mm-hmm.
3: um and and so the people that we met like tim with 2ms we might not ever see tim with 2ms again and you know and those types of people like we might not ever which is a shame because b2 emo the droid is is fantastic i awesome. love that droid oh I, i'm awesome. so glad
4: you brought that up like the look i, I i'm so taken aback by the fact that they could just continue to make new droids and i could still be surprised by them and i'm like oh that is a really cool design uh and the personality is great and just the look is fantastic so i'm I'm glad you brought up the droid
3: and i hope and the fact that his name is b2
0: emo
4: (laughs) I, i hope that we get back there just because they
0: they built that in like an actual town where instead of doing it Scaled with graphics and you know And green screen stuff like you can and, and you hit this too Foster You can feel the locations in some of these More so than maybe in, in others where it's like Ah that just doesn't feel quite as real And I, you, you felt it uh, in, in some of these places And in I, I'm the deep the attention to detail Is is what I'm, I'm a big fan of in the series Because some of the some of the disney plus stuff um and i'm i'm loving a lot of the marvel and mcu stuff but some of the tv shows you can tell that they just they probably don't have as big of a budget you know and so there are little things they kind of have to skimp on here and there this feels like gosh the writing and all of the little small things um in in the planets and in uh you know the details for these characters are all really really good so far um
3: one well, thing i Go ahead. I mentioned I mentioned that with with my wife when we were watching it is just you know everything feels so so real and like matching the aesthetic perfectly to um, Rogue One and the original trilogy like it just all feels like you're back in that world and it, it just it's like another offshoot from that which is pretty amazing, um, but uh, the, the, you know you want to steer back towards what you had sort of asked me about was was. uh Deidre and and her antenna being up, um, you know, this is one one issue I have with the three episode arc type of thing is like she was introduced late and later. And and I don't I don't care about what's going on with her right now. And so while these episodes have all been good, there's a spot where like there's a little bit of a slowdown. You've got all this momentum going with Andor and Aldani and all Mm -hmm. those folks that that are doing that. And then that momentum gets halted when you go back to the IPS folks because we don't know anything about them yet, and now we have to like we're episode four, five, six, and we're we're all of a sudden like halting the brakes and like teaching you about what who they are and what they're new, doing and, and getting into people. their politics, yeah. And like, that is one problem with this manner of storytelling, in my
0: opinion. Again, episodes well, have been great, especially but when they, it's. Especially when it's the the first three, you don't feel the arc as much because they dropped them all at the same time, too. You know, it's a little different when it's week to week. Like if they're telling three three episode arcs and they give you all three episodes where you could kind of get the whole arc, but it is sort of weird when you're kind of waiting for them too because you're right. It's it's like you get like three weeks now of a story that started that just feels a little bit different. That's that's a a, a really good point and. I foster as we uh, We saw Luthan Getting into character Becoming this art dealer The mannerisms he had to like change The way he he uh, had his hands And you could see his like His facial expressions I love how Everything is so serious That we see Luthan doing this we, we know that Mon Mothma Has to have a cover And we watch in episode five, as everyone on Eldani is practicing their march and their mannerisms, and everything has to look perfect. I, I just, I, I thought it was so cool watching him
4: have that little scene where he's like becoming the, the art dealer. Oh yeah, it was very fun. You could tell that um, Luthan is is like a hair actor. You know, mm-hmm. oh yeah. Once, once you get the wig on, then he's <laughs> he's truly in character. And the exchange, I think the exchange between him and Mon Motha is this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, which is really fun because it's like they have to basically like for a while talk in code, uh, because you know they don't know who they can trust. This is a new you know a new driver, um, and that kind of stuff like that spycraft, um. Is really fun, and I think that will play a big part In this series uh, And I'm excited to see uh, more of it So,
0: Foster You mentioned uh, uh, or, uh, Trevor, we'll get over to you We uh, we mentioned Mon Mothma a little earlier She is a huge player in, in what we know She's one of the characters that we do know And, I mean, she's going to be in control Of the entire Rebel Alliance She's secretly funding the Rebellion She has this D-bag of a husband Named Perrin who is just like Snosage in a dictionary Is what this guy is like he he Shows up he just is like Got money And he just cares about all The wrong things and that, that is What it makes things difficult For Mon Mothma is that She has to lie to her family even To protect them she can't Just be out in the open like oh yeah I'm fighting the Empire here I'm gonna be you know Um You know, for this, fighting for this cause that doesn't even have a name, doesn't even have have any organization. She's just someone who has some money at this point and can help fund, give money to Luthen, someone that she sort of trusts and believes in.
3: Yeah. And and you, you know, in episode five, you also meet her, her snippy, snooty daughter, who I wanted to backhand the second she started speaking. She's so prissy, Um, just like, God. uh, No,
4: daddy's taking care of it
3: daddy's got... <laughs> so yeah but but you're absolutely right and, and you know it's funny when mon mothma popped up you know in episode four i was at first surprised and then like thinking back on it i was like well that was stupid to be surprised like this is about the foundations of the rebellion and obviously she's going to be involved but um i i also really like the detail that you know they brought back Andor, they brought back diego luna from rogue one This is the same woman that basically plays Mon Mothma in everything. Genevieve O'Reilly.
0: Yep. Uh, Um. Which is, uh, like, awesome. She looks fantastic. And we... So we've kind of checked in a few times at the camp now. And the people in Eldani, this group, they're not really happy that Cassian's there. He's trying to learn the... To them, he's Clem. He's trying to learn... Uh, about their their plans and and the operation. He's trying to get up to speed
4: on everything. Clem, but- by the way, Clem, I know it's like, I think, what, it, uh, an homage to his dad or yeah. his foster dad, but like, it's a very basic name. I, yeah, you know, there, Ka- there we go. Cassian Andor to Clem.
0: To Clem, we were just asking like, for basic names. There we go. Hey they, guys, they, this they- is Chris. They gave um, us they gave us one. There, there we go. They should, they
3: should have they should have spelled it C L L E M.
0: I know, just to yeah. mess with us. Like four M's, you know, it's like, come on, no. Um we then see Karn forced to go home and live with his mother after being discharged. I thought the look of Coruscant when he arrived there and seeing him have to go all the way down to like the bottom level where his mom lives and I I thought it was just cool. A lot of the planets and places that were referenced, you just sort of hear them in the, uh, in like the airport or the, uh, in the background, Uh, Del Gordo travel service to Osnian prime, Plexus and Euphoris major. But his mom, she, she gives him a smack, but then she cries, she hugs and she brings him in. And we, uh, yeah, we mentioned the mom uh, a little bit earlier, Trevor, but that's sort of what humanizes this guy a little bit, who, I mean, you've wanted to kind of punch him in the first few episodes. He hasn't really done anything, like, evil. He's just...
4: Yeah, he's and, and he's way in over his head, too. We saw yeah. in his first couple of episodes, like, he's ambitious, but then, like, when, you know, when the adrenaline's pumping uh, and, like, you know, things are <laughs> exploding. He's just he's like a Twitter coward. Tough guy. You know, I, like ex- exactly, well, even, exactly, and his speech to the men. I I know that's an earlier episode, that, but, but it was interview. awful. It was so bad. After laugh, I laughed so hard. And, and the
0: guy Moss, Ma- the other guy Moss, gave like you know he's a horrible person too. But his speech was at least at, at the moment was like a little motivating. There he was, it's Cyril Carn, Man, this guy is one that you, know, he, you shouldn't he he feel bad for Trevor, but you, I know, but you do. They they do a good job because, like you said, we've all been here. With our mom or one of our parent who's sitting there, you know, giving it to us, griping us. What you're still doing that? What you're doing a podcast right now, Gino? What the hell? Like, come on, you know, like you you know, we've all had these conversations, and you actually feel for this guy as he sits down and through episode four, and then into episode five when you know his mom starts telling him about his uncle, and maybe she has uh, the uncle has uh, some work for him, and that may be a real a real key to wherever he goes next right trevor if it's back to help the empire maybe it's something on the side of of cassian he actually runs into cassian but we know karn is still obsessed with andor because he's like hologram stalking him
4: you know he's still looking he's still looking at that visual he's got I, of him i think he's got a little crush on him honestly. right
3: he does he might <laughs> he might <laughs> Well, and and this is this is what we were talking about earlier is that they've done such a good job of humanizing and giving a backstory to these guys that that like even even when karn like you know you you're not supposed to like karn because he's a, an empire guy he's a you know he, he wants to crush the rebels he hates andor and andor's is you know, the namesake of the show but at the same time like you know it, when he makes his very first plea to try to figure out who murdered the the guys that you know, and or ended up killing he he's like these are our imperial men that we have to find you know what happened to them we have to like serve justice to these men that were employed as peacekeepers for our organization and his boss is like nah don't worry about it it's fine we don't want to we don't want to get the crime numbers up <laughs> yeah. and, but like that is like if you're in that role like obviously like there's there's this bias that we see because of the uniform that he's wearing But if you like take that bias out of it and you take all of the, everything we know about star Wars out of it, and you just are watching this guy like pleading about the fact that we need to find justice for these guys, his his coworkers got killed. Exactly. That's a humanizing thing. And they continue to hit on that humanizing thing with him throughout. And like, there's this, you know, you do want to punch him in the face because of how his face looks. But at the same time, like, they have done a fantastic job showing us his mother, showing us him just sitting in a kitchen, depressed, eating cereal. Like they've done a fantastic job of like showing us the other side of these people and giving us that humanizing aspect, which is is what I think is setting this show apart from you know they couldn't do these types of things in Kenobi because everybody that popped up in Kenobi basically except Riva, you know, you know those people you know. from you know past their projects, yeah, yeah. exactly.
0: Now, this is when we uh, we saw Mon Mothma go to Luthen's art shop. Um, she's there to help divert some funds to uh, Luthen. And again, everything has to be done here in secret, uh, in cover. And there is something strange, Foster. I, I don't think it's a coincidence that they, they mention the driver too much. There's got to be something there with him Because they asked the name about him And then they that we showed that the husband didn't really care But she knew the name of the driver And he was a new driver They were sort of worried about if he is a spy That's, that's what they're dealing with here She's kind of always looking over her shoulder She said she can't even really go into the bank The same way And just take money out But she does want to bring in some help And I thought it was funny that Luthan immediately shoots it down No And he was the one who just brought in help
4: like a couple days ago. Yeah. It seems like he's, he's, he's looking at the big picture. um, And it it seems like Andor uh, bringing Andor in is a pretty big um, risk, something. Mm -hmm. And I think you feel that. And I think there's even a moment, whether it's this episode or the next one where he has second thoughts about that.
0: Yes. It's at the end of the fifth, where he's looking at that transistor radio He's listening yeah. to the transistor radio and he's trying to catch any kind of any in- information on, on their, uh, their mission where it's about to happen the next day. It's sort of like the calm before the storm, you know, everything's about to go down the next day and you can, he's feeling a little bit anxious. Like he, I, he almost met, like says that he, he wonders if he robbed the crew or something like that. You know, like he, did I, did I send the wrong guy out there? So you're right. It's everything you do, every move you make, is so important that you're. it's heightened and then you're always going to be second-guessing yourself. I just came yeah. up with a theory. Oh, let's hear it. Okay. Yep.
3: Okay, so first, Gino, when you mentioned that Karn might flip the script and go join Andor, that would be a fantastic twist Twist that I had not thought of. But I think he's still going to go be an IPS person with Deidre, De- Debra, De- Um, But here's my theory, is that uh, Luthan was probably supposed to be the leader of the Rebel Alliance. He's the one, you know, he's the chess master. He's pulling all the puppet strings. He's, you know, he's bringing Andor in. He's getting money from Mon Mothma to finance things. Like, he's clearly got the stuff going on. I think he's probably going to end up, you know, dying or going away by the end of this. And then Mon Mothma has to assume that role, which is why when she's like, hey, I want to bring somebody into this, He's like, no, we can't do that. Because he wants to mm-hmm. be the person that vets new people coming in yeah. because yeah. he's the puppet master. She's just supposed to be the money bags right now.
0: Yeah. Ooh, there uh, yeah, I it's fun. This is fun at this point because like we keep hitting on we don't know a lot of these characters. We know eventually where what's going to happen, but we're not we don't know how it's all put together. And and we get another interaction with Maud Moth and her husband at their home. He's trying to set up some dinner with people that she hates and uh, he just is, he's interested in money and power and she seems like she is, you know, she's really driven right now. She, she genuinely wants that to, to help people and, and they, they seem like people that may have just met or been put together when they were young. Cause they just don't l- seem to have a, a whole hell of a lot in common And God. Yeah. I, Foster. I just hate this family, the daughter and the father, <laughs> like, and, and I just, I hate them. They're both just so, so like widey and like all like the all of the, the worst stereotypes about like a really rich family.
4: Yeah, he's he's totally like a country club douche. Yep. He's yep. like, mon, sweetie. Yeah, it'll be fun. Just, um, just I wanted to
3: see the dinner party, though. We don't get the dinner party. I, wanted I would to have see liked the to see that
4: party. just a,
3: just a visual.
4: What color uh, is the milk? it's it's I always know. it's gotta be blue maybe. maybe it's different for the richer people yeah who knows the uh space so champagne th- anyone <laughs> <laughs> that old trope putting space in front of everything space yeah water? space Just, space yeah space shots
0: for we uh for take, the uh, crew.
4: <laughs> where, where uh they actually
0: are on aldani now the crew plotting out the heist so we hear some of the plans um the garrison is a deposit supply for uh, deposit for supplies, weapons and payroll, uh, garrison, uh, garrison observation tower, sentry defenses. So they're going through what the plan is. And Cassian's like, wait, what, what escaping in a run? Like, how far is this? Like he starts asking some questions and, and once they, they, they fill him in on everything. He says, he's laughing. He's like, you'll be lucky to make the horizon. It's a suicide run. And they, He said well yeah they only have a 40 man regiment there He says because nobody's stupid enough To try it Now they do have a little bit of a plan They are going to try to use A big celestial event that sounds Sort of like an eclipse It's called the the Eye of Eldani That happens every few years Um, A really cool visual in the sky And that's something that Distracts everyone in the area Even all of the officers They all sort of take a few moments To watch this event Something that's really great. So Trevor. While some of the. Uh, finer details of their plan. Aren't great. They do have at least one. Sort of big. Um, thing they're building their plan around. And that's this celestial event. that That is referred to as the Eye of Aldani. Like. They said, imagine 50 meteor showers at once, but like a curtain being pulled across the sky until the eye, the window of the galaxy, forms over the horizon. It's like that scene in uh,
3: in Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one, where he's like, I have a plan. You have like <laughs> 12% of a plan.
4: <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. You
3: just said I have a plan because I, he said I have a plan earlier no uh and this is this is the detail orientedness of Cassian where he he's been there he's done that like we don't know everything about his backstory but clearly he's been around the block once or twice and I mean so, he like, was he was surviving as
0: his- a kid on on the planet by himself without his without his parents who were a part of you know in the first few episodes we see that his parents he's without his parents who look like most of the adults died in whatever big mining accident happened on the local planet. But I mean, he was like a child taking care of himself.
3: Right. Right. And, and so, you know, he's, he's with these people and asking these questions and they'll, they they do not have answers for them. Um, you know, here on aldani and, and they're like, well, we've got, we've got this, this, we've got this, this model and we have like half of a plan and you know, you guys can march in there like your troopers and and we're gonna fly this thing out, and there's only a 40-person garrison, and we're gonna do it during the celestial event. And he's like, That's all dumb. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah.
0: No, uh, really, that's your plan. That's your right. plan. Um so he is able to add his two cents and he helps throughout the end of this fourth and then on to the fifth episode, he helps. Sure up the plan uh, a little bit there. Um, back at a uh, back at the old ISB where we see the Imperial Security Bureau. Our friend Deirdre approaches the major, major. Uh, I just call him Kyburn because he reminds me, you know, of Game of Thrones. And he initially she she gets a little bit shot down, but he he does tell her, um, you know, if you find more information when more materializes. Then we'll look into it but So he's kind of giving her contradictory information He's like, stop looking into it If there was more, we would look into it You know, he really just kind of wants to get her off of this But he does compliment her at the end I was impressed with your detention numbers Far above the quota I may be sending more of that work your way So, Foster she She does continue To look into everything As we move into episode 5 And she at least knows that She's getting noticed by some of the superiors, and and that
4: feels like what she wants. She feels like someone who wants to try to work her way up. Yeah, and it sounds like she was she was brought on pretty recently. Mm-hmm. Um, so she, like to in comparison, um, the guy who was in charge of uh, Ferrex, Blevin, yeah, yeah, uh, right. He's got like six districts. She currently only has two because she's still learning. Uh, but yeah, he gives her he, he's her the the major superior. The older dude, um, he's so funny because yeah, he gives her that compliment, and then I think immediately he's like, "We're done here." Yep, uh, <laughs> he's just so, <laughs> get out of here. Just, just the efficiency of words. Um, and by the way, he he has a great exposition sequence, and they do this in scripts because they're like, um, "It's like okay, so how do we get out the information of what's going on and make it realistic?" Right? He has that moment. He's like, "He's like Simmons, sir. What is it we do here?" And it, and you know. It, <laughs> <laughs> it's just a classic exposition yeah. line of like,
0: just so someone can tell us, right? Yeah. Because yeah.
4: yep. everyone would be like, we already know that yeah. in, in the world of the, of the show. But um, I mean, I know I, I do like this character, uh, Deirdre, um, for some reason. Um, it's like, you know, I don't want, I don't want her to ultimately succeed, but I am invested with um, her kind of journey through the Imperial hierarchy because we don't really get to see uh female Imperial officers all that much. In, yeah. in in Star Wars yeah that's a great point as uh we finished episode
0: four Trevor back at Eldani the crew kind of around the campfire and I mean Cassian's got a lot of work to do he has to look at the freighter specs and the console layout then a map of the garrison then an Eldani book. he's got to look different learn these different languages but while he's doing all of that he still has time to flirt a little bit with Cinta as you know <laughs> He's a he's a womanizer. We heard it from people in the first couple episodes. His mom was listing all the names of the women that he's been with. So he he at least even when he's got a lot to do, he, he can still manage a little time to throw some game at Cinta.
3: Yeah, I don't I don't like that part. And that's just like me being uncomfortable with it, I think. But yeah, but like he's he's throwing a little bit of game at Cinta. He's already been told, like, oh, Cinta's with somebody. And he's I like, know. nah, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, he doesn't stop he's... it. You're still... I know. I'm like Just, I'm like stop it you're supposed to be the good guy but me I guess, too you know, I'm 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 wanting this you know the wikipedia thing says he really is kind of a perfect spy warrior killer I'm like I want this guy to be a good
0: guy but like that's not who andor is Now what is nice about these episodes is they kind of roll right into each other there's not a whole lot of like this was a week ago everything is happening right after the next so Foster uh we we begin with Karn's mom Edie And I thought the scene When he wakes up in his room was really cool Because there's this like a little small glimmer Of light it kind of looks like he's seeing The sunrise but then when you you Think about where he is It's just like a reflection Like he doesn't even get to see the sun He's so far below Where where they live it doesn't seem like They're like steerage poor But definitely like I'd say like Low middle class here with them and yeah mom is uh mom is definitely a handful here
4: yeah she seems pretty overbearing and um she she seems the kind of mom you don't call very often yeah uh because you're just gonna be stuck on the phone for a while and uh and yeah they the set she'll design she'll is really with a slap <laughs> what's that trevor says she also greets you with a slap yeah <laughs> yes yes <laughs> um, and yeah like the food that she's giving him is like depressing and yeah it's like dimly lit i mean the set design is still very cool it's like i even had a thought of like oh i'd love if i had a place that looked like that um but yeah he had the potential to you know uh the potential for promotion and to rise the to you know to go up the ranks and uh now he's back at square one so i i'm curious to see where it goes from here
0: yeah at the local like uh you know meetings or whenever She's anywhere she doesn't get to brag About him anymore now He's sort of ashamed her and the family Um she has A good line that I love Uh she says You know shame that we have we didn't see more of each Other when you were flourishing he says you could Have come anytime you wanted and she Says any civilized being knows an Open invitation is no invitation At all it's kind of funny it's like oh yeah I guess what people say come anytime you know It's because they know that Most people aren't just going to show up at any time. Is Edie and Karn have just this typical mother-son interaction. Do you have any prospects at all right now? Okay, I'm calling Uncle Harlow. I'm calling in the family favor. These are desperate times. And um, uh, I'll be asking Uncle Harlow. He'll know what's best. So calling in the family favor. Trevor, as we said, this is like everybody can everybody can relate to this everybody understands this this isn't it doesn't matter what where you live what galaxy you live in a galaxy far far away this is all grounded stuff
3: yeah I mean it, it's more of that humanizing aspect that we've talked about is that you know we,
0: he has been set up as the the
3: main villain if you will I mean he, he's the the villain that we've had the longest and and we've seen him torn down to square one where uncle is going to call in a favor to help get you a new job.
0: Now, uh Cassian and the the group at Aldani continue to prep and he wakes up from his sleep to see that he's been searched because the group they they don't, they don't trust him in particular Skeen. <laughs> he says, "Hey, look, it's all there. They asked me to take a look. Go talk to her if you want." Said you didn't come with much, so they're just they're trying to to sniff this guy out because they've been preparing for so long it doesn't make sense that vel would just spring another person on them like this they think he's a spy they think he is there to uh, kill them screw and screw up the mission any one of a million things they just they have i think plenty of reason to be a little bit cautious about anyone and in, in particular someone like andor and what skeen notices uh foster is that andor actually has cassian has a weapon that would be a weapon that an officer would have. So he sort of notices that he probably got into some sort of a uh you know kerfuffle. And he right away we see that Skeen has what looks like some branding, like a tattoo that was probably something that you was used in jail. And they both actually share stories
4: about how they've been in jail before. Yeah, they really um they really bond over that. Um, and and Cassian's able to identify, I think, another mark on skiing Um, he's like yeah i recognize that (laughs) qr code yeah Um, (laughs) yeah they both both have uh you know (laughs) been behind bars for a bit it sounds like um and yeah it's understandable that they're so suspicious because like there's this big mission it's days away oh no hey there's this new guy and of course they're going to be suspicious but you know as we see he kind of he chips away i think bit by bit at their suspicion with his expertise Um, And his just, uh, his bald honesty. Yeah. Of like. Once he opens
0: up, it takes him a little bit. But I think what he sees is uh, Trevor once, once Andor, once Cassian, who is Clem to them, hears some of their stories. It inspires him to share his story. And even, even though he doesn't really share his story, he just says, Hey, look, I'm hired. They, they appreciate the honesty. Yeah,
3: I mean it. It, I think it it starts to turn the tide in their minds as to like why this guy is here and why he's he's coming in at the last moment. Um, but at the, same, at the same time, you know, poor Nimic, this this kid that we've talked about, you know, that that we all like so much. Like, there's a shot of him just like depressed when when Cassie's like,
0: "Yeah, I'm here for the money." And Nimick's yeah. like, "Not really? at all for the cause." I know it was like. It was like a little kid, like, please, uh, can I have enough? I was thinking like Oliver, you know, please. Um, it scheme, or and this is sort of where we got a lot of exposition in episode five, but they did it in ways that weren't always boring. And you were hitting it on this, Foster. They would have different characters give us some exposition in different spots. So it wasn't like just the same person in the same way. Uh, Cassian asks about Sort of the crew he said It always breaks at the weakest point So Skeen starts to describe them he says, Oh you're worried about the kids Nemec he's a surprise He's green but he's all in he's a true believer Nothing but the cause from him Then Sinta she's stone cold and fearless Probably the toughest one out here she's already Sharing a blanket if that's what you're wondering <laughs> He kind of tip he gives her gives him a little hel- uh, Elbow there and uh, He said without the Lieutenant there's no plan he could be um, you know, he said if they had, Cassian sort of questions what, what, what if he's the one? Is he and, the mole? You know? This is the
4: this is the Imperial lieutenant who lieutenant we, I think we met Gorn. Yeah, well, we may have yeah we met him uh, briefly um when he came by the camp. Um, and he's yeah the double agent. Um, and we'll talk. About, I'm, I'm sure we'll get into him, but I I really appreciated the scenes with him. Yeah, um, just interacting with other Imperials. I thought that was you know really interesting.
0: And what we learn about him, Trevor, is that he is someone that has been. This is this was home for him, Aldani. So he is someone who hears the way, like he's seen all the atrocities. He saw what happened here and at, to this place, and he hears people talk about, like in kind of racist ways, some of the the local people, and he just has to bite his tongue while they're talking about people that he's sort of known and love and lost. So he's a really fascinating character because he has all of these like real motivations. He's really one that's fighting for the people.
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, to, to agree with Foster, you know, he's talking about, he, he's talking about, he's walking around and, and seeing all the different um, Imperial officers doing whatever they're doing at this base. And there's the one that's like, overlooking the valley and you know he says it's inspirational isn't it and and the guy's like yeah i guess so whatever and then they talk about you know the eye of aldani and the the um ceremony that's going to happen the next night and he's like still enough to smell him right so that's sort of the racist thing that you're talking about like i know it's it's it's, yeah and and like that's that's the the spot where they're they're you know this guy is a bad dude (laughs) Unlike some mm-hmm. of the other uh, Imperial folks that we've seen that have been humanized, like this guy, it, it, you know, he's the one that deserves to just get blown up. and Exactly. And, you know, not Qu-
0: have a quickly, quickly, we find out and we hear a little more about Lieutenant Gorn who lost a promotion with the Empire and lost the woman he loved. So, I mean, he has tons and tons of motivation, been at this place, knows the the, the
4: local area, seen what they've done to the people, lost his love. and. Yeah. This, and, and this celestial event is supposed to be, you know, pretty incredible, like thousands of Aldani people. But they have been since uh, since the last event have been like forcibly relocated. Yeah. So there will still be some people just like just uh, um, just barely any, um, I think, compared to years past. Um, and you can tell it really weighs on the on the lieutenant. The uh, we, we spoke a lot of it about
0: uh, Lita. The daughter of Mon Mothma. We we get back to Mon Mothma's place. Her husband Perrin and the daughter Lita. They just they're not. They don't have a great relationship. It just feels like a family that was sort of just put together based on money, uh, almost like an arranged marriage. Here, Lita says to her mom at one point, "Trevor, it's all about you, isn't it? It's always about you." <laughs> just-
3: like uh, I said just, earlier, just, just backhand that child. Just she I needs know. she needs some some teaching,
0: please. So, uh, yeah, we, we got into that a, a little bit earlier. Now, this is when we uh, we talk with Nemec a little bit back on Eldani. Nemec and Cassian are having a conversation, and you were hitting on this a little earlier, Foster. Nemec is not only uh super smart and like a tech wizard, he's Showing Cassian, you know about some some of the devices out here, and he's talking about certain things. But he said he, he's also writing a manifesto. He's he's got like a pretty good political mind, and says the I know the message is sinking in. So much going wrong, so much to say, and all of it happening so quickly. The pace of repression outstrips our ability to understand it. That's the real trick of the of the imperial thought machine. It's easier to hide behind 40 atrocities than a single incident. They have a fight on their hands, don't they? Our elemental rights are such a simple thing to hold that they will have to shake the galaxy hard to loosen our grip. It kind of scary that it feels a little bit like things happening in the world today, but just the more that there's bad, 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 bad stuff, you just become numb to one or two of those events, and it becomes sort of like you're able to politicize things I thought this was fascinating to hear it, you know, from this side and from the, the Nemic character who we, God, we love this poor guy, but he's just done. So
4: he's done. So yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think his, I don't think he's going to last very long. <laughs> not um, season all, two. <laughs> <laughs> there's also a uh, skein also chimes in at this point and is and is like, well, I want to know what Clem believes and uh, Clem, you know, and or doesn't give like a really good answer because he's not, you know a believer just yet he's he's doing this for the money and because he kind of doesn't really have a choice you know he's wanted back where he comes from he doesn't have a credit to his name so he kind of just has to see this thing through yeah he, he gives them an answer that
0: is sort of acceptable to them at the time it's i know what i'm against right and that's okay but he doesn't really have this motivation like they do he's not fighting for a cause he just he's just angry he's angry and, that, and that may end up being enough, that will be enough for him. But at this point, he's, the wheels haven't quite all come together for, uh, for Andor as you know, Tamra, uh, Taramin and Nemec and Skeen and Cassian are all together, but he, he kind of, he won't even finish drinking their milk. He kind of I, I was just it about out. to
4: bring that up. I was like, right? I was like, I was like, that's, I mean, there's, I'm sure it doesn't taste great. It doesn't look like that. It does kind of a
0: disrespectful thing it though. It is know?
4: Disrespectful. Like, like you need those nutrients. And someone went to the trouble to milk a dray to give you he, that dray milk. Yeah. And you like so he's
0: still not he still has not let his guard down. And uh, Trevor, we know in any great relationship, right? You gotta let those walls down. You gotta let them in a little bit if you want to to really connect with someone. And he's not quite doing that. I think what it's what helps him too though, he kind of does it a little bit with uh With with Sinta, when he's getting a little flirty with her, and then it's sort of while he hears everybody else's stories throughout the rest of this episode, he finally tells him at the end, hey, look, I'm a hired hitman. I'm here for the money, but you need me because I have skills and I know things that none of you know. So I'm here to help you and I want to live. And that's that's important enough for everyone.
4: That's that's really all they need to hear when he when he says that to them. Well and and, well, and Gino just just really fast he um also calls out that he, he this you know skeen has been overly on top of him and he calls out like hey i'm going to see this thing through if you 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 can if you want to use me as an excuse to to bail out i mean you could do that you can be a coward and do that but uh i'm i mean i may be i might, I might be a hired gun but i'm going to see this thing through yep i'm in it and
3: and you know immediately after he he tosses the milk into the the fire uh, disrespectfully and again like drives a dagger into Nimic <laughs> into, into his little yeah. heart oh um, no we we get we get the scene where they're talking about you know flying the thing um and you know they're asking him a question about how to figure the weight how to calibrate the weight um to get it off you don't know how to get it off the, rail, it off the like, runway exactly exactly, exactly. Like, he's like, hey, you don't know how to fly it. They're like, we would have figured it out. He's like, no, you would have died. Like, <laughs> yeah. he's just so, like, and, and again, like, this is more of him showing his knowledge and showing that he's there to, like, do this thing for real.
0: His worth. Or, like, to, yeah, proving his worth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and yeah, to, he,
2: to, to he
3: create more times.
0: trust of them into him. He does it again to Foster right after when he shows them how he knows everybody's left-handed or le- who's left-handed, who's right-handed. He knows all of their little idiosyncrasies. Nobody's told him. He's just picked it up by watching how mm-hmm. they they pick up their – and interact with other people. It's – you know, he's sharp. <laughs> he's very perceptive. And when they're doing the march, he goes, no, you got to hold it on the other side because you hold it on the outside.
4: And yeah, I said you, two, you guys need the switch because he's yeah. – Left-handed, you want your weapon on it. And by the way, their their reaction to that is great because it's like one like, kind of like, yeah, he he does have a point. But <laughs> but then is. it's like they're reluctant because yeah. we've all been in the situation where some kind of like jerk just happens to have a really good idea, and you're like, dang, damn yeah, yeah, I hate really this smart. guy.
0: I know, I hate this person. Oh, Do I? Yeah, we're on the
3: same side. We... Yeah, and just... they're
4: like, yeah, switch. <laughs> Go ahead and switch. He's right. So. Well, it, Ter- Ter-
3: I feel like Terraman, Like for for parts of the episode, I feel like Terraman, He's like supposed to be the weapons expert and the military expert. He's like, "We'll see what kind of soldier you are." And now he's getting corrected by this guy that he's like looking yeah. down on, <laughs> and, and like that Terraman's like, well, "What's my pro- what's my worth?" Basically, like where am I? Now? This guy's correcting all the things I'm doing.
0: What's my role? Uh, But he does start to tell uh, Cassian And take him through some of the plan There's the tower yard, the dam, the garrison headquarters The barracks, the tunnel, the flight control tower And we continue to check in with Lieutenant Gorn Who we've mentioned a few times As the Imperial officer Patrolling Donnie. And we we see that he's He's buying, he's doing little things That will help kind of buy time for them And their plan So it's like little things, leave this door unlocked here I can kind of Help do this here. Make sure there's nobody down here patrolling this at this time. And he at one point he scolds some of the guys as sort of like a because he knows that they will respond and ask him if they can go watch the Eye of Eldani. And he agrees to it so he can
4: free up some more space. Yes. so it, You know, he, it's, it's brilliant because it's it's always like it's like if you want someone to do something. Yeah, you can tell them. Like or you, you can know, manipulate them, or you can manipulate them, make it think it's their idea, <laughs> exactly. and that's even stronger. And by the way, we see the—I think we see the payroll, and it's just like wheels of gold.
0: Yeah, and the credit. I love that.
4: I love that this could be in a galaxy far, far away, a fantastical realm, and yet it's like it's, it's gold. just gold. I know. <laughs> it and it's it looked cool. Yeah, it was.
0: It was just a big, big bunch of gold. Um, it's called Cassian's
3: so, Cassian's eleven, like like Ocean's Eleven, Cassian's Eleven.
0: Oh, Cassian. Oh, there we go. There we go. I the the like heist, that. The the, yeah. Cause we have our crew of what are we, we seven at this point right now. So, uh, at it, it's really fun. Seeing the, the, like the, the process of the plan being plotted out in different stages over these couple days at night and then what they're doing here and then they're learning and they have to be practicing their March and then they're quizzing Cassian on the language. You know, he's, he's answering questions that Val's answering and then that, uh, you know Tamron's Questioning th- him about this and this so it's really Cool just seeing the processes Of it this is actually when uh, That part happens that we Just talked about where they Mention oh you know You need to switch hands Cassie notices That they have to hold it on the on the other Side and We then yeah, uh, you know, A lot of these scenes we've kind of hit on Through both we, we see Gorn again talking with that officer who is Racist and they're looking out at Eldani But Cassian Really really starts to be Kind of putting the moves on Cinta a little bit when uh They're going through the language And Vel is not A fan Trevor we see her Like shoot a look And then a little bit later When they're at the campfire She and then she says Oh you can dress yourself To Cassian and uh and then later at the campfire, she actually walks right in the middle of the two of them and just sort of like b- butts her way on in. So I, I like I, I agree with you. I don't I hope that doesn't like f- screw this whole thing up. This being some sort of a weird love triangle between them. But yeah, look, it seems like they were uh, her, Avell and and Sintro been together. And now Cassian's trying to get on in there. It's yeah.
3: uh, it goes back to the uncomfortableness that with the whole casting womanizing thing and like they, they keep public I just want to just want him to be a wholesome good guy.
4: You know, he's got to have a flaw though. He's got to yeah. have some kind of flaw, and I guess this this is one of his his major flaws. I, I guess he's approaching this as like he is used to. Um, never knowing like maybe like where his next meal is going to come from, or he just knows that like your life can be snuffed out at any time. So he's just I in the he's moment, just kinda, yeah. He's just kind of going for it. Mm-hmm. Yep, we uh, we check back in at the ISB with I, Deirdre. I like that. I like that
3: point. You know, point I just made about like he may not know where his next meal is going to come from. You know, he he see like being tight with Cinta because she's young because she's attractive, as like. That's another way for
0: him to like survive. Yeah. This is, this is just like basic. You're right. It's basic human survival stuff here. It's like basic instincts. And that's, that's what he's, you know, he's grown up with. Um, We head back to check out with the, the cops, the ISB and Deirdre. She's working with someone like one of her assistants. And it's like late at night. It's a typical, like, doesn't matter where you are you'd see this at any office anywhere you know the ambitious worker who wants to stay a little bit late their assistant or their secretary says oh no i'll stay and i'll help you with some extra work and and then, foster is she popping some pills here i noticed that yeah there's she's popping some space pills yes oh, i yes. was getting the like you know um the jesse from say by the bell You know, (laughs) is she taking some, I'm "I'm so so excited, (laughs) you know, that's, that's where I was going with this. And, uh, um, I'm, I'm curious, you know, as we, we check back in with her, but you know, Trevor, now we, we saw in, uh, was it flea doing some, some space, some space, uh, drugs in the, in Obi-Wan. And now we're getting some space pills here.
3: Yeah. I almost mentioned selling people death sticks earlier. (laughs) <laughs> With yes. the, uh, I think that was Flea, right? When he was yeah. the he was the selling death sticks guy. Yeah. So, <clears throat> but when she when she takes the pill that when, when she takes these pills, the conversation that's had. I'm looking at the transcript right now because I, I wanted to get these right. There's some more Star Wars breadcrumbs in there. She's like, "You're you're onto something." Kessel, Fondor, targeting consoles from Jakku. Like
4: we we know some of those places. The Kessel Run, mm-hmm. Jakku. Uh, where, yeah, where, and I appreciate
3: from i appreciate i
4: don't think we've heard tatooine yet and i'm like let's keep that going we don't need to always bring up tatooine we don't always need to go back to tatooine
0: there's a whole galaxy out there right that we can we can explore as the just bring up the other other planet yeah as i i just i love hearing and exploring some of these different places it's there it's and that's what what is really cool about this particular show so far the Rebels share a drink at night As they continue to prepare And, and Then we check back in with our uh, our Friend Karn Cyril But uh, Uncle's gonna help him, Uncle Harlow Now wh- what do you, wh- So what do you think, uh, Trevor? What do you think Uncle Harlow is going to have him doing? Is this an Empire guy? Is this a bad guy? Do you think he's someone who's on the opposite side? Maybe he brings him in To help And he's like trying to help but then he thinks, hey, maybe if I bring Cassian back to the Empire, I can get my job back and move up the ranks. There's just a lot of ways they can go with this with whoever Uncle Harlow is.
3: So here, here's another theory that I've just cooked up uh, in, in the moment since you asked me that question. So this is a really well thought out theory. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but. You know, Uncle Harlow probably gets this dude a job at like a restaurant or, you know, holding doors or, dri- you know, maybe he's Mon Mothma's new new driver. Something low maybe level. he's Mon Mothma's driver's driver. Like, yeah, something super low level. And he's, we've seen him hollow hologram stock uh, Cassian already. He's going to end up running into Cassian at some point when Cassian's off doing some mission after this heist is over and he's going to be doing his low level job. And he's gonna like get the kyber, get you know get the blue kyber from Cassian or something. He's gonna, I feel like he's gonna do in this low level job that he's gonna have. He's gonna do something. He's not gonna capture Cassian because that would he may he may go that far, but I don't feel like he's competent enough to go that far. But he'll capture something from Cassian that the Empire wants, and then he's gonna go to De- Deidre, and that's how he's gonna get hooked back in. I don't think I think Uncle Harlow is not gonna be a great connection for him.
0: Now, the next couple scenes, we've kind of already hit onto Vel just kind of quizzing Cassian. He asks her some questions about the rest of the group. She talks a little bit more about Lieutenant Gorn, uh, how he fell in love with a local woman, lost a promotion, then he lost a woman, then he lost his taste for the Empire. Everyone has their own rebellion. So, a, a cool line there. And then another one of those scenes with Lieutenant Gorn, this was the one where he was with some of the the – um, soldiers who want to go watch The Eye of Eldani So he agrees to let them And they'll come back and sort of clean up the next day And then Skeen he, he Approaches Cassian with a knife from behind He found the Kyber Crystal and so this is what Alerted Skeen A little bit Foster that Okay why would this guy who's supposed to be Coming here to help us on a heist On this rebel like on this Run why would he bring something that's this expensive out here in the middle of nowhere? Like, this guy must be trying to bring that to someone. Like, he's got to be
4: screwing us over. There's a lot of things that you would think about why that would seem a little bit shady. Yeah, it's totally understandable why they'd be freaking out a little bit. And then once you learn more about Skeen's backstory, um, you can you just learn, like, he does have a lot of passion um, for this mission because he's got, you know, a heavy backstory of revenge. And um, uh, but thankfully, you know, this does uh, convince Cassian to just go ahead and admit what's going on, Um, you know, which, you know, is is probably for the best. Um, And he just says it sort of like right out like,
0: hey, look, yeah, I'm being paid. Okay, I'm paid to be here. You need to know that's it. I'm here for the money. You know, you can't live with it. I'm not worth it. I'll walk away and wish you luck, but I'm not going to walk in looking over my shoulder. You know, like he says, I want to do this. And I and I, I want to walk away.
4: Yeah, and I mean that's a it's a it's a great point. He's, I mean you have to have each other's backs if you're going to be doing something like this. Um, and uh, yeah, he puts it all out there, and, uh, and Skeen kind of gives him an apology. That's when he gives him his. He talks about his brother, and he even uh, says,
0: "This is as much of an apology as exactly. you're going to get." That was a great line. You know, yeah. I, I love that line too. And you're right. It, the Skeen character is an, is awesome because like he's a jerk, but quickly in just a few lines you it all makes sense he he says okay you know vel wants me to tell you about my brother there's a long version but what really matters is they killed him he was a farmer imperial prefect came in they took his land they flooded it he couldn't fight he couldn't bear it so he went on a boat he filled his pockets with stones I always hated the Empire I don't know what to, what to call how I feel now it wasn't a two-page monologue it was just a few lines, Trevor, but in it we know everything we really need to know about this guy now. Like any chip he has on his shoulder, totally makes sense.
3: Yeah, and you know we talked about this actor um, being in the bear and how how great that was. You know, uh, and he, this is just more. more it's the same like role that he's like, like the same guy, is, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. He's an asshole. And then you find out a little bit about his backstory, and you're like, "Well, that's why he's an asshole." That makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense now. Um, and, and so, you know, it, it like Skeen is is in this, and like he doesn't care if he he dies in this because I, I feel like he probably doesn't feel like he's got a lot to live for other than just continuing to, you know, uh, hurt the empire um, in in ways. But I think you know he he now see like you now see Skeen for everything he is and Andor sees Skeen for who he is and that this guy's, you know, probably something that can be relied upon. Um, but Andor's still got that, you know, I I need to save my own skin type of thing. And so, you know, they have sort of that understanding now of of where they're each coming from. And I feel like that's that's nice. I I get uncomfortable with tension like that. My wife does it more and I think it, it rubs off on on me when she gets you know squirrely because of tension and and (laughs) so i i think i think this clears up some of that tension between the two of them
0: yeah and and this was the line that you referenced earlier foster where he says you know um there's a or i I guess i wasn't sure if it was you i I think it wasn't uh if it was i mean i don't want to give trevor credit for saying something that you had said so ingeniously um there's a difference between Fear and losing your nerve like if you guys want out of this go ahead but don't don't Blame it on me because I'm here and I'm going to do this
4: Yeah he has he he brings Up a great point too of where he says He's like the day before is always hard He said it was going
0: to be is Always going to be something hey the day before You go on vacation you're always going to sort of get All flustered and pissed you didn't pack this you didn't Pack that you didn't do that you know it's all like Every year you know whenever you there's A big something like this you get that Anxious feeling the day before
4: yeah, he says it's. He's like I. He's like I get it. Um, and then I think Tamron uh, or Terman says, "You think we're scared?" And he's like, "Yeah, I know you were." We should. He's like, I'm, "I'm scared too." And and just like you said, you know, he says there. But there's a difference between fear and losing your nerve. I thought that was ah oh, the writing is so good. That's the key too. The, these conversations,
0: if they weren't so well done, they would get a little boring. But they're not. They're they're really really well done. And uh, Trevor, we check back in. Go ahead. Nothing nothing happens during this episode. Like nothing. No. Nothing happens.
4: They just just another day or two of
0: planning. I know it's just talking and planning and continuing on. No action. There's no big fights. There's no sequence. It's like, but it doesn't feel boring because we're learning like really important stuff about a lot of these characters. And um, yeah, we check back in with Mon Mothma and the car. Again, they mentioned the driver. That's why I keep getting to him. His name, Cloris, and the guy says, "The husband says, Cloris, would you mind taking the
4: expressway?" So, uh, I think Cloris is going to like, like, either be like an imperial assassin or something, or might be like a sleeper agent for the fledgling alliance. Right. I think. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: I think he is just going. He's going to be totally agree. I would say one or two of the other. I'd be surprised if he's just a driver because they've they would made his name and kind of referenced him a little too much for that. But this is where uh, so, Gino. Yep.
3: Here, here's what I need from you. I need a little jingle. So some people, my name's Trevor Hayes. Some people call me Thaze. I, I need a little <laughs> jingle for Thaze's theories.
0: Thaze, do so,
3: Yeah, we'll get I you think, one. Thaze's theories. Let's hear yeah, it. I, I think I think that uh, Perrin. Hired Chloris to spy on Mon Mothma. Oh, I like this. Aaron is an paranoid
0: Yeah. And he thinks his wife is
3: up to something. He, 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 multiple, right. And multiple times he specifically is like, Oh, you have a new driver? What's the driver's name? And in like they're riding in the car and he's like, What's the driver's name again? And she's like, Chloris. And then he like radios Chloris and tells him to do something like, Oh, here or whatever. That's my that's my next theory is that that Perrin hired Chorus to spy on Mon Mothma and feed him intel so that he can pass the intel back to the Imperials.
0: I like it. I like it. I can absolutely see that. It makes a ton of sense. He just he's a D bag man. He's just a bad he comes off like a bad guy. And God, I don't like the daughter either. So, yeah, (laughs) Cyril does a little hologram stalking of Cassian and you, you just kind of wonder what is he thinking? Like, Hey, I can find this guy. I can get my job back. Or
4: this is my chance. Or I hate this guy. Or, you know, you know what it it reminds me of a little bit of that, like dynamic from like Les Mis. Yes. Like, well, you know, the more recent movie adaptation was Hugh Jackman and, and Russell Crowe, but it's the, uh, like the officer, like the military, I guess like correctional officer type. And then the, um, Jean Valjean who, um, is in prison for stealing a loaf of bread. Was his initial offense? Escapes and then you know reinvents himself. But uh, it kind of reminded me of that a little bit. It's this uh, weird
0: obsession. Yeah.
4: Um,
3: well, in... and you mentioned you mentioned the gun earlier that Cassian has. That's that's his gun, right? That's yeah. Cyril's gun. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so these two are are connected, and like he's probably like that man disarmed me. He could have killed me. Like yeah, he, he feels he, embarrassed he, um... by him.
4: Yeah, he he kind of like stripped me of um, my authority. Uh, I mean, dare we say like masculinity? And um, so yeah, I think I think they'll they'll be running into each other quite a few times uh, throughout this series.
0: So we're basically getting ready for this uh, this plan, and Vel lets them know. Okay, uh, Cameron's in charge now, and they kind of go through the plan again. We'll see you tomorrow night if everything goes well. Cassian says, hey, you want to have a problem with me? They wish each other luck. And Vel says, hey, no farewells. Plenty of work to do tomorrow. And they're they're ready to rock. So we know that next morning, the next day, it's time for this heist that they've been planning out. And, and Luthen's nervous. This is when we see him back in Coruscant. And he's listening to this old radio. And he's he's trying to get some updates on from from their camp out at Eldani to see okay are you guys ready for the mission tomorrow is it wh- what's going to happen are you you set and now like you hit on foster this is when he's second guessing himself it's like that calm before the storm he's doing exactly what cassian said everybody was going to do like you're always going to get mad or get stirred up or flustered the night before if it wasn't at me it was just going to be about something else because it's there's this energy there's this nervous energy that's that's hanging out there and he's saying, oh, should I have brought Cassian in there? Should I have done this? I don't know. And I, I like his um, his assistant who's just sort of calming him down. She's like, hey, I thought you're turning this thing off. You know, get get out of here. You know, you're, you're supposed to get out of here. And she's sort of just trying to ease him down. But we see everybody with
4: this heightened anxiety the night before the big day. Yeah, I'd love a good, uh, like, heist. Plotline yes. heist movie, mm-hmm. um, because you know typically a couple things happen, and it still works every time. Like uh, you know you always said you've got like the model template
0: and a formula that yes. you can like have an entertaining in, in like in an
4: entertaining way with just checking a few boxes. You know, absolutely, yeah, you can. Um, so so what are the things that the tropes are like? You know everything about the plan, and then the plan goes wrong, or you don't know everything that's going to happen, and so then you're surprised. Um, and I think we might get surprised with Vel and Cinta's roles because we actually didn't get any details about that. They just kind of hint that they're going to go off and do something. Um, and so I think that will be like a fun surprise and we'll see if it, if they pull it off.
0: Trevor, we, uh, yeah, we finish up with the, uh, you know, the crew all ready to rock for the next day for the big day. And I, I like the flow of the episode in that it felt like there were, you know, like three, I guess four places we were just kind of checking in We checked in with Cyril and his mom A couple times, we were back at Eldani, seeing everything going on With the crew, and and ha- as they sort of Had to train and Build their relationship and come together We checked in a few times with Mon Mothma And, uh, and you know Luthen very briefly on Coruscant And then we were introduced to Deirdre So it was just checking in in a few different places Kind of bouncing all around And we did move, we moved forward But like we said, we didn't do anything but now we're all set for what feels like it should be a pretty action packed episode six coming up.
3: Yeah. I mean, it, it's on, we saw the, we saw the fire waving and, and Lieutenant, you know, had his binocs out and he saw them waving that fire. Uh, we know it's on. Um, and so I'm, I'm deeply excited for whatever is going to happen. And, and like Foster was saying, either the plan to start and something to go majorly wrong or the, you know, us not knowing all the details and then being surprised by what's happening. But I mean, certainly there's going to be some twists and some turns once you know, as any good heist has, there's going to be some twists and turns uh, when, when the next episode starts. So um, that'll be, it'll be a lot of fun.
0: Fellas, this was such a blast getting uh, the chance to talk about all this with you. And it was nice since we had two episodes to talk about, we were able to get into a little bit more and we were able to talk about a few things here and there from episodes one and three, but if you're available, I'd love to have you back next week to help me out with episode six. If you if you guys want to, this was a blast. If not, we can bring you back sometime in the next few weeks whenever you are available. But Foster, uh, thank you so much, and just kind of give us, you know, heading on to the next episode. Where are you right now? You you know, you said at the beginning you're pretty excited, and are, are you
4: after talking it out again? Are you pumped to see where we're headed? Uh, I am deeply invested. I honestly am surprised how much I'm I'm looking forward to this. But again, they they set up a really great you know uh, heist arc here, and so I always appreciate that. And I'm just excited to see uh, where this goes from here. I like all the characters. Uh, they've done a good enough job that I'm gonna be sad when you know some of them don't make it back from this job. And uh, I don't think I don't think they're all gonna make it back. Trevor, buddy, uh, you know
0: Nemec is is probably a, a lost cause at this point. But talk to us about some of your your thoughts here as we head to episode six.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's it's sort of what I was just saying. I, I think Nimic is, you know, I don't know if he necessarily bites it during the heist. I, I feel like somebody's gonna bite it during the heist, but it might not be Nimic. Um, we might get to have him for a little bit longer, but you know, he he's got a counter. Um, there there's a there's a death counter over hanging over his head. Uh, you know, we could start <laughs> a Deadpool for him,
2: um, but.
3: Uh, you know, odds are he's probably biting the dust during this heist. Um, but you know, I'd like to see him stick around for a little bit longer, and maybe he meets Mon Mothma and gives his manifesto to her, and then bites it after that or something. But um, you know, it's 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 interesting to see. You know, thinking about you know this this next episode is going to be interesting just with with the heist and the action that hopefully we receive. But going forward, like. Does, does something happen during the heist that solidifies Andor as becoming part of the Rebellion? Or, you know, is this just a job for him? And then he meets back up with Luthen, and Luthen has to continue trying to convince him and court him to become like a full rebel spy. Like looking, you know, we're, you know after the next episode, we're halfway through this season. So it's, it's interesting to kind of try to forecast or think about what's going to happen and what's going to you know, come to these characters. Who are we going to continue following? After this episode is over, because, you know like I said, with these three episode arcs, we'll probably go back to. Uh, I, I think earlier I called it Kanari. Kanari is where Andor is from. Uh, Primor, uh, Fe- is, uh, Fer- yeah, is I think the- Fair or
0: yeah, Primor is the and Fairix is where um uh, Kamari is where he was from as a kid. And then Ferrix is where mm-hmm. like he lived with like Bix and Tim you know and those other people who are around so, okay yeah yes yeah that's where and we'll check back in where, I think
3: yeah so um you know I think we will check back in and see some of those people again but you know it, it's it's also the you know there's there's some people that we met in those first episodes that we probably won't see again when, and, and so the whole thing about how it started ab- of-
0: about his sister right? You know, he was looking for his sister mm-hmm. right off the bat. Is she yeah. someone who's in a high up position of power somewhere on the good side or the bad side, which would make it very interesting, you know, or where is she now? You figure she's got to be there somewhere out there Um, if he was asking about her. So I'm I think like the both of you feel super invested and really excited on the week to week. And fellas, can't thank you enough. It was such a blast talking with you. Thank you so much for your time. Hope we can get you back again next week. If not next week, again, very, very soon. Foster, thank you so much, buddy. Trevor, thank you so much. I miss hearing your voice in my ear. I was, you know, I was, you know, getting really sad that I hadn't heard you talking to me for a while. So it was, I know you did. It it was great to uh, to speak with you guys again. And folks do not go anywhere. Uh, We have still a lot more to discuss on this episode. And we will be talking about, Indoor, each and every week, right here on That's What G Said podcast.
1: So you want to set the mood? You're looking for something all natural,
4: soy wax, non toxic, baby. Scent for every
2: season. Now don't be afraid, baby, to spell it out.
4: C E
1: R A Candles
4: and don't forget. Promo code Gino gets you 10% off.
0: Mm-mm. Right now, probably a pumpkin. Anything pumpkin you want, you go to SarahCandles.com. Any scent you want for any season. C-E-R-A Candles.com. Sarah Candle Company. All natural soy wax candles. This isn't just a different candle company. They have a unique, unique thing that brings them to the table what's different about them the soy wax no pollutants no carcinogens no toxins they are healthier for you they are better for you you have your kids around you have your family members around you have your animals around you don't want them breathing in toxins you want to be able to to light a candle and to know that it's not going to hurt anybody it's not going to harm anybody that's what you get with SarahCandles.com They are all natural and because of the soy wax They actually burn longer than the other paraffin wax that uh, leading candle brands and candle companies will use C-E-R-A Candles.com Holiday seasons are coming up right now Think about all of the different scents you can get for you know Christmas Gingerbread cookie, cranberry, s'mores, Christmas morning, cinnamon, vanilla. They have a holiday box come Christmas time if you're looking for gifts to give. But right now, along the way, we got to stop at Halloween and at Thanksgiving first. SarahCandles.com will actually give you 10% off when you use the promo code Gino, G I N O, gets you 10% off your purchase. It's a great gift for someone. You know, you're probably always thinking, how ah, do we get for. Aunt or uncle or friend We're not sure what to get Get a couple candles for them Nice gesture It'll help get their office Or their home smelling nice And you'll tell them Hey, these aren't just regular candles These are actually soy wax They're healthier for you They're better for you And for the environment SarahCandles.com Let's finish up with She-Hulk Just one episode remains Episode 9 So we have to get you all caught up before that Episode 7 and 8 With Tim Kelly, The Deep Dive, scene by scene, episode 7, and then we dive right into episode 8. Following that, we get you all ready for the season finale that comes up in just a few days. It's She-Hulk with Tim Kelly. One more episode remains of She-Hulk, season 1. Tim Kelly joins us to get all prepped for the season finale of She-Hulk. We have to talk about episodes seven and eight. We'll double up because we missed last week. TK, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. <laughs> our man Daredevil is here, Matt Murdock. Yes. And yes. gosh, you know, the the show overall, I don't think at any point it's been bad, but it just, it felt mm-hmm. like there were so many times where we would spend a long period of time doing things that were a little inconsequential overall. And I feel like the last couple episodes, even in episode seven that we talk about, I had Mm -hmm. a pretty good time there with a lot of these crazy goofy characters at Blonsky's ranch. They were sort of fun. Jen kind of found herself. Mm -hmm. And then we bring in a character that is basically like universally loved i mean matt murdoch the daredevil character feels like someone that so many people like now we'll talk more about him in a minute but how'd you feel about matt murdoch daredevil coming into the mcu we got a brief look at him in spider-man but he was very much in this episode for a you know half of the episode or even more
2: i was thrilled to see matt murdoch in this version of daredevil uh, in this show uh, th- this uh, episode eight was my favorite episode so far oh yeah uh, episode seven I thought was also pretty strong uh, by comparison to the other episodes but episode eight uh, is what I've been looking for this whole time me too and Matt Matt Murdock they're two for two the MCU with uh, with presenting this this character to us uh, I love the the really good lawyer stuff we got in, in Spider-Man and then now we got more really good lawyer stuff and some really good Daredevil stuff a great uh, throwback to the iconic hallway fight, fight. scenes that Daredevil oh, yes. was famous for, and then a subversion of that with a really cool twist uh, this time around. I, I thought it was it was really well done. I saw some mixed reactions online, mostly positive stuff, but I still saw some people going, oh, they ruined Daredevil." Blah blah blah. I didn't see that at Me all. Either. I thought it was at- great. I thought it was great, bell to bell.
0: I thought because the only thing you can say about him is he's a little bit lighter. Just maybe a little bit less brooding Mm -hmm. overall, but the he still has a really good sense of humor in everything that we've seen on the Netflix shows for him. He was still funny, and when we left him, he was in a much better place. I don't think he had a reason to be as sort of just genuinely overall upset. I I thought it was great. If you're gonna bring him in and just be a little bit maybe R versus you're gonna be PG thirteen versus R. I thought this was Mm -hmm. as good as you possibly could be. He was charming. He was funny. All of the fight stuff felt very authentic to what we know. And, I mean, him and Jen have just, like, this immediate chemistry. The looks that they would give each other without even saying anything. Like, I was feeling the heat between the two of them.
2: (laughs) Absolutely. And and then she needed that, you know. She got ghosted in the last episode, so she dealing with a ghost, and now now she's saved by a devil. So I'm I'm really happy with that uh, that flow of events there. And uh, full
0: circle for her,
2: yeah. (laughs) Right? Their chemistry, though, uh, absolutely dynamite. uh, And that's one thing that we've you know always kind of praised the MCU and a lot of these Disney Plus shows for is just having great casting with great actors who have real chemistry together. And that's what carries a lot of the, uh, the, the these shows and these stories uh, but yeah they were absolute dynamite I, I want to say these might be my favorite this might be my favorite pairing in the MCU so far I, uh, I agree I just want to see
0: and and you can't help but think like for both of these characters and for someone like Matt who you know the life that he lives it's so difficult for him to be with someone who is just a normal person maybe going through day to day but these two can have an like can share things with each other that maybe nobody else can. They live such a similar type life, and they could do things together that they may able to. They may be able to like, have a relationship yeah. that they couldn't have with a normal other person. I'm I'm like already fantasy booking this show. You know what I mean? Like I'm, right. I, I, where I want these two to go years down the line. That's just how much I love this. And I, it took a little while, but we we usually say. At the end of these shows and movies, they know what they're doing. And Mm -hmm. again, it kind of feels like even if it might have taken us a while to get here, we're very excited about where we're moving now with Matt Murdock, Daredevil, back in here. And uh, yeah. before we get to episode eight, though, let's dive back a little bit more into episode seven, which was the retreat. And Mm. we went to Blonsky's Meditation Clinic. But Uh first, we got... To see Jen getting all ready for this date with Josh, she met Josh at the wedding. This guy who seemed like he was a great, great dude. He was honest yeah, and
1: <laughs> 40
0: and but but he was like you read, just like sweet, really sweet, almost too good yeah. to be true. She's texting with him, and we should have known right away when you look at one of the texts. He says to her, "What's your address?" Or I guess I could just drive around your neighborhood screaming your name. And she says back, "How would you even know what neighborhood I live in?" And Mm. then he kind of like changes the subject. (laughs) It's like it's a text you see. It's like this dude. There were some there were some red flags all along, but yeah, man, they. She gets ready for her date, and we see her, you know, just getting out of the shower. And I love that she takes a shot before (laughs) the date. And then Josh arrives to pick her up. He stands against the car. It's like, it's this eighties high school movie. It looks perfect when she's going out on her date and we get a little montage of the dates that she goes on. First, they go to a taco truck. Um, great time song
2: playing underneath it too.
0: It's really well done. It, It is like the little montage and they go to, uh, um, a food truck. Then, you know, Josh big into the emojis. Their second date, they go to a flea market. She really teases him when he goes for the kiss at the end of the second date. Like, she acts like she's going to. And then she she just opens the door and she walks inside. And she's, like, looking at herself like, what the hell did I just do? Like, why did I do that? I wanted. And she goes back outside and Josh is gone. But he's still into her. He's still texting her. And then date number three, drive-in movie. Things are going well. She brings Josh in for some hanky-panky. They okay. get down, and then the next morning, she wakes up, Friday morning, and he's gone. It's like that cliche trope of the man who just wanted to get you into bed, and she's texting yeah. him. He's, he's not answering, and she's starting to get distracted now. Initially, she's not really mad, but you know he's not responding, and she's starting to get flustered. So she goes into work, and still no response, and... <laughs> Nikki's trying to kind of talk her off the ledge a little bit. She says it just the first 12 hours after you sleep with someone for the first time, it just feels icky after that. You just gotta, you gotta coast through it without doing anything stupid. (laughs) So this was why I liked episode seven a lot, man. Jen was Mm -hmm. going through some things that we all go through. Like we've all been here before where you're just like waiting back on the text. And she's, I thought they did a really good job with how like, Almost uncomfortable it is watching her For a lot of this episode Like you feel it Like she keeps checking her phone And you just want to be like Stop checking your phone Like you just want to tell her Like what Nikki and Blonsky have to tell her And But like you can feel the Like her angst She's just And you're just like Josh, send her a fucking text, man. Like tell her that your car broke down or like, where are you, dude? You know, we're just like talking to the the show here. I thought they did a really good job of getting that across because I was feeling it for her.
2: Absolutely. And I I feel like she was actually in this episode really dealing with her own insecurities uh, and her her own weaknesses and kind of battling that inner battle uh, in a way that – the audience could really connect to. So up until this point, I feel like there's been a lot, there's been a little bit of that, but a little too much of like, this person is perfect. They handle everything perfectly. Everything works out. out." Yeah. But this episode, I, I, you could really get behind her because you could, you could empathize with what she's going through and you could see why she's, you know, feeling certain ways and uh, you, you want to see her grow and get through it. And the episode does a, a really fun uh, job of doing that. I think this was an episode that could have just been filler. It could have just been a silly, fun episode, and it was that in a way. But it also had some really good character moments and developed our main character here, Jen, um, in a very important way. I think uh, going into the finale, uh, where they're going to really break her down uh, heavy, you know, in episode eight, you know, just prior to the finale. Uh, she's about to deal with some really big stuff, but right now she's tackling some inner demons that uh, have kind of plagued her throughout. And she's in in a new place right now. So I I can really appreciate like where the story is going and uh, where it is right now. So by Saturday morning, she looks insane.
0: She hasn't slept all night. Poor girl, still nothing from Josh. She's watching the great Muppet caper sitting at home (laughs) on Saturday night, just doing absolutely nothing, waiting for this text. Then Sunday morning, her phone rings. It's not Josh. It's Emile's parole officer, Chuck Donlin. Apparently, there's some something going on with the inhibitor. So Chuck has to go up to the ranch to check on Emile. He wants Jen to come with him just in case something goes wrong. He'd like to have a a Hulk there to help him out. Yeah. And uh, Jen, she agrees. I mean, it's not like she's got anything going on. Yeah. But this poor girl. She hops in her car. She's just checking her text on the drive up. She keeps refreshing every few minutes, just agonizing watching her. She does take a, a little bit of a detour to sing some mbop
2: for yes, a second. Thank though, you for mentioning that <laughs> to herself.
0: <laughs> okay. and, uh, and then she enters the summer twilight retreat and uh, Chuck is there. He's kind of scared. <laughs> it's funny when he asks her to hulk up. Yeah. He says, uh, you're going to do your, you going to put on your green suit. <laughs> she says, what? He says, get big, jolly green yourself. <laughs> what? <laughs> what do you call it? it hulking out? Jolly oh, okay, green. good. Whatever would do it. So um, they find out that the inhibitor has just been malfunctioning. Apparently, Emil may have gotten a, a jolt from electric fence because his favorite chicken, Princess Silk Feather, was stuck. And um, so it just seems like Blonsky's. Being goofy out on his ranch doesn't seem like all that much is happening, but as Jen get, gets ready to leave, out of nowhere, two randos just start fighting, and they just land on her car, and yeah. she's like, "What the hell is going on?" And we get introduced to Manbil, to Manbil and El Aguila, who are just hilarious characters. They are like these F list. Yeah. Uh, superheroes you know like these (laughs) you know they're not Not even even D, D Liz they're just so far below a man bull was an experiment gone wrong and he was created in a lab he was a daredevil villain from some of the comics El Aguila is kind of Mm -hmm. a funny character he actually reminds me of our buddy from uh, Hawkeye a little bit um uh, you know uh, um, he swordsman the swordsman exactly because El Aguila was born in Spain, but he's actually a mutant, um, which is very, you know, important to where we are in the MCU right now. He can— Yeah, more and more of
2: those these days.
0: Bioelectric energy. His name is Alejandro Montoya, kind of a Robin Hood type, a crime fighter for the poor. Um, In some of the comics, he was believed to have lost his powers. He's a a matador, and so he's a fun (laughs) counter to the man bull. And he was like a Luke Cage iron fist, low-level villain. So these two guys are are here at the ranch because they're they're here for therapy. You know they're they're part of a group therapy uh, session with Emil Blonsky. And unfortunately, they're brawling all the time. And they just completely destroy Jen's car that now needs to be towed. And so Jen's kind of stuck at this ranch for a few hours. Which is not great for her, TK, because there's no reception here. But what'd you think about El Aguila and Manbull?
2: I thought uh, these characters that we meet on the ranch were all all really funny, very silly. Um, I feel like they should be larping, right? Are they larping with our other like? That's a great connection right there. They feel very akin to the larpers from Hawkeye. Yes, they're characters (laughs) like that occupy that kind of space in the story. Like you don't, you don't really take them seriously. They're kind of comic relief. Uh, there's no real threat coming from them, but they do have some interesting capabilities, uh, and they're kind of quirky. Um, I-, I thought they were fun. They were funny, and they kept everything pretty light. Um, there is a general sense uh, with these characters. Oh, uh, if I, if I can be critical and kind of nitpick a little bit, um, it adds to that sense of maybe the cheapening of the whole fabric of the MCU a little bit. The, these characters kind of remind me of The Tick or um, well, an other series in, in that ilk, uh, which I love. I love those, like, parody superhero shows. Uh, the Tick was brilliant. Uh, both versions, they animated in a live action. Um,
0: but but it, you know, I know, like The
2: Boys. Think have you been watching The
0: Boys recently? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, absolutely. And how there are just those, like. The, where they
0: send the superheroes when they're you know mm-hmm. in trouble or like they'll send them to like the low level places and they'll be right. kind of out of sight, out of mind. I, I know what you, I know what you're saying here. It's, it's funny. I feel better about this episode after mm-hmm. even even more about it after episode eight. But same, like yeah, I feel better about the vacuum, whole series. <laughs> yeah, completely. In a vacuum, I was sort of like I couldn't help but, throughout some of these episodes playing the timeout in my head like. Okay, this is fun, these guys are cool, but like this is happening right now in episode seven of the series. Like we're not, mm-hmm. you know, they're reintroducing a couple more goofy characters, but I will say right. when they sat down for the group therapy, yeah, and that that popped me. Uh, because we're gonna be introduced to a couple other characters in a little <laughs> bit, named
2: Saracen and Porcupine. Who, I love them. Yeah, are just there are some great moments. From that
0: and, and when Emil introduces him, he goes, "Oh, hey, Jen, this is Porcupine. <laughs> he's a Porcupine." And I just like it made me laugh so hard. That yeah. stupid line, like just the way he yeah. says, "Like, oh, this is Porcupine. He's a Porcupine." It's like, well, no, no <laughs> shit. You know what i mean? like? What else? Like, of course he is. He's wearing he's wearing a Porcupine costume, but it just yeah. like. And then he said, "Oh, Saracen. Uh, he thinks he's a vampire." And. Um, <laughs> so we'll get we'll get to the um, the group therapy in just a moment but before we, we go we'll on come- real
2: quick uh, i just want to point out you know jens gets her car smashed up in this episode there's a lot of property damage in a lot of these episodes that feels You're right. like A little excessive. If you think you can't think about it too much, it kind of breaks the logic of everything. Uh, But but, in episode uh, eight, Matt even says, "Like, at your first parking lot, you destroyed." (laughs) Yes, and I find I find it interesting. It's a kind of it's kind of karma, like a reverse form of karma, like uh, the the effect happening before the cause, really. But like, she gets her car smashed up the episode before. She smashes up a whole parking lot full of cars with her thunderclap. So. It's a uh, I guess you kind of retroactively deserved that
0: now, Jen is just flustered because she can't find a signal anywhere. She's looking all over for reception, nowhere to be found. And Emil you know says, maybe this is what you need you you know, you look like you're going crazy over that phone. You won't put it down for a second, but Jen just kind of shrugs him off. She wants to to see. Why Josh, you know, is she getting a text from Josh? What's going on? It's been a couple days now. Finally, she finds some, some bars, some reception, and it's in this big barn-like structure where the group therapy is taking place, and that's when we are introduced to Porcupine and Saracen, <laughs> the vampire. Now, El Aguila and Manbull are there. Um, you know, he says, just because I'm Spanish and I have a flair for the style, people constantly assume that I am a, man, a matador. It's dehumanizing, (laughs) you know, so they're just sitting there like talking it out They're, you know, they're having therapy and, uh, you know, man bull says it's not your fault, but those attributes make me see you as a matador and that's triggering for me. You know, they're just kind (laughs) of going back and forth in here. Um, Saracen checks in and he says, "Uh, I think they've been spending a lot of time together. I'm feeling like it. Maybe it's not healthy. (laughs) And then the porcupine agrees. So we just see this group of like oddballs having a a therapy session and uh, one guy walks out and it's wrecker. It's someone that we saw earlier on the wrecking crew leader wrecker, but he's now a changed man. The only thing I thought was weird about this, you know, Jen, Jen sees this guy who tried to Mm -hmm. attack her, tried to jump her. And she is a little bit upset with him. You know, she tries to go after him. Blonsky calms her down, but she doesn't, Ask him any questions about anything. She's sort of just right. like, as soon as Blonsky tells her to go sit in the chair in the corner, she's like, "Okay," and then that's that. She doesn't, she doesn't investigate a little bit more. Okay, maybe this guy's a changed man, but he can't tell you anything about what he did, who he worked for. If he's a changed man, doesn't he want to give up the the bad that he did before? That there was. That's all. I guess kind of like some of the points yeah. of this series some of the weak points are like you said when they kind of make us yada 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 through things and, yeah. and get there you know but that was another thing where it's like how come she just doesn't ask him who he's working for or who he was working for like,
2: yeah why does she why does she forgive him so easily i mean it's it's one of the, it's a very serious thing what was done i mean they tried to come it, after
0: her and like steal her take her blood
2: yeah yeah that's that's Prison time, you know, that's not just an apology. So even even with, you know, reform, rehabilitation, you would you would think that she would still want some type of recompense, some justice there. Uh, She's a lawyer. Uh, That wouldn't be the end of it. There's a lot of logic that they'd left on the table there that should have been, uh, you know, parsed out.
0: But I did I did
2: like a lot of this,
0: this group therapy thing. Uh, Yeah, she she tosses record across the room and man goes. Come on! I stack those like she he throws <laughs> she throws him into a bunch of chairs, and uh, and and then when when Emil makes Jen go sit down in the calming chair, everyone goes
4: ooh
0: like she's in big trouble. Um, <laughs> just just so stupid, and we find out that Recker is here. He's trying to work on him. So I didn't need a magic crowbar to give me a false sense of power. All, I, all it did was make me and my boys act like idiots. And Jen <laughs> it's kind of sarcastic, and she's listening to them talk. And El, El Aguila is kind of mad that she won't share. She says, hey, look, this is a safe space. We're all here. We're all talking about our struggles. Why don't you talk about your struggles? Because you just snapped. You're obviously upset about something. Let's get it out. At first, Jen kind of has her her walls up, but... Initially, Blonsky calls her out, and she starts to open up. I met a guy, Josh, at a wedding. We went on a few dates. I thought it was going great. I haven't heard from him. And now I can't stop thinking about it. And I just love the, like, as soon as she starts telling her story, they're all in mm-hmm. with her immediately. Mm-hmm. They're asking her questions. They're very interested in everything. Eh, like, yeah. when's the last time you talked to him? Three nights ago when we, oh, made love? She's like, ew, no, when we slept together <laughs> for, for the first time. And uh yeah. I just like Manbull bull and, and uh and El Aguila high five, he goes, Oh, another yeah. direct another direct hit. Ha ha, ha. <laughs> Um sure. the Saracen chimes in, codependency is they actually make Manbull and uh and El Aguila switch seats so that way they're not like distracting each other. This is like what a teacher right. would do in class. Right. Hey, you two, you gotta switch seats over there, you can't be next to each other. But Porcupine asks how many dates they've been on three and they, they ask, OK, what was the last thing you texted him? She says, that was fun. I can't stop smiling. Oh, my God. Oh, oh, like the whole crowd, they right. all react like she just <laughs> said, I'm in love with you. You know, I, I didn't think <laughs> yeah. it was this bad. Like, I, I thought that was, was sort of funny how they reacted to her text as if it was the worst thing in the world to say to someone.
2: Yeah. Like, I can't yeah.
0: stop smiling.
2: <laughs> and and unfortunately that's not it. <laughs> I know,
0: no, that definitely wasn't it. And and uh he says, Jen, you're thirsty and a cliche. <laughs> 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 and, and so they're all kind of giving like giving her some crap for that. But she says, uh, that's not the last thing I texted him. I was just so worried he couldn't be in a ditch. Hey, uh, getting a little worried, just want to know you're okay. Blushing smile emoji. Oh my god! Why would you do that? No. <laughs> Just, we've all been here. That's what I loved about this. Is like we've all been in that situation with our phone when you're looking at it, going, "Do I send mm-hmm. this message or do I not? Should I send this message or should I not? Like you're thinking about it, you're talking about <laughs> it, and then you're like, "Okay, go."
2: You you do, and then you're like, "Oh shit! I shouldn't have done. That. I shouldn't have done that." <laughs>
0: It just is so just great. reminds me
2: of uh of, of that classic swingers scene oh, yes. with John Favreau calling the girl just over and over again, leaving more and more bad voicemails. Absolutely it's, like, it's like another take on that.
0: So uncomfortably cringy, but you can't it's like a car yeah. accident. You can't turn it off. You just keep yeah. watching. And uh and then Jen. I mean Saracen is so great. He just keeps getting these little like one-liners in here. Um mm-hmm. For, they tell her, Jen, we have to consider the very real possibility that you were ghosted. And mm-hmm. Saracen says, or that he wanted your blood, <laughs> <laughs> which actually may have been the case. And he says, right. no, it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't that. Um, uh, so uh, Jen, Jen finally really lets us in. She said, I, I met him when I was Jen, and he liked Jen. He specifically didn't ask about She Hulk. You know in high school, that friend that you have that's, like, cooler than you are, more attractive, more athletic, get all the attention from everyone? Oh. Like, you think life would be easier if I were that person and I could turn into that person anytime I want? And everyone pays attention when I'm like this, my colleagues, my boss, guys. But it it feels like cheating because would they like me if I didn't have all of this? Like, if I was just Jen, would the same guys who like She-Hulk stick around for Jen? Because some of them don't. And that sucks for Jen because Jen is great and no one cares when they're she-hulk. So like I meet this guy who actually likes Jen and that felt good, you know, and and then he ghosts me and it sucks. And she like in just this little monologue the entire group like loves her. That's all it took was just her her showing them that she's willing to, you know, share her weaknesses also and share her struggles. Yeah. And they immediately say, screw this guy, let's kill him Where this. does he live? Yeah. He's gonna die And they're like, yeah. I love you Josh has made an enemy of this entire group You know, he yeah. says uh,
2: I, I laughed like, out yeah. loud, la- this was a laugh out loud part And a, a good sign uh, to me uh, Because one of the complaints going into this Was just not enough laughs per minute And there were some big laughs in this episode Totally agree it, uh, it really succeeded on that level And
0: uh so the whole group now is really riled up, and Jen's actually ex-inspired uh, some of them. Um, yeah, and uh, Porcupine, you know, and and says, "Hey, you, you know, you can't control what others do. They all just sort of help her." And El Agla reminds her, "It hurts when someone rejects us because it reminds us of the times we reject we reject ourselves." Wrecker says, "Maybe this means yeah. you haven't been spending enough time with Jen." And then Saracen says. And that's a shame, because I bet Jen <laughs> is pretty damn great and tasty. Damn, damn! It went off the rails. Somebody bail me out. <laughs> it was just really well done. Like it, again, yeah. these were some of my favorite laugh out loud moments of the scene. Just sitting here in this uh, with these goofy, goofy characters, yeah. and she looks around the group, and she turns back into Jen, and now she's actually made Porky Pine comfortable enough. To take off his mask, this porcupine <laughs> character, he he has like a phobia, so, so he will not take off his costume. He's created this costume and mask. He won't take it off, and now he's comfortable enough to take this mask off. But when he does, <laughs> it's pretty stinky. I mean, think about it. Smells he's like he's a had This mask on for a long time. <laughs> oh, it smells like a fart. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And, uh, they uh, okay. Can you put that thing back on for a little bit? So. I mean th- this was really fun. They chant for Jen yeah. and they tell her, hey, you know what? Josh isn't spending time on you. You don't need to be spending time on him. Delete his number and they chant. Yeah. Delete it, delete it, delete it. So she chant uh, she deletes it and she's feeling a little bit better. She's hurting for a yurtin. Oh, she yeah. wants to go into <laughs> the yurt, the sweat box. So she yeah. really embraces na- this whole retreat as now. She goes in. She has a sweat. She comes out. She's feeling better about herself. And the group is all cheering for her. She gives them a big thumbs up. And you know what? They all say goodbye. And they, I love that when she leaves, they made her a card, like a group of five-year-old kids, like a yeah. handmade card that says, Jen, we love you. And like she's reading through it and says, it's from the gang. Emil says, just make sure that they know it's not really a gang. It's just it says <laughs> yes. it's from the gang, you know. But I, uh, like, she's in a much better headspace now than when she mm-hmm. went to the retreat. And this, this was fun. Like, it, that it did it did feel like a lot of fun compared to some of the other times where we're like, oh, okay, I, on paper this might have seemed like it was funny, but it didn't connect. There were some actual like laughing pretty hard moments here at some of the things they were saying.
2: Yeah, seeing. yeah, definitely. Uh, and I, I feel like if every episode at least hit this. Level of comedy, uh, I I would be more sold on the show earlier on. Um, I do think with this one-two punch of episode seven and eight, and some of the other good stuff that we got earlier in the series, I'm starting to come a- around overall on the series uh, and look back on it a little bit more fondly. I think that um, you know watching one or two episodes at a time can maybe even make it go a little bit better, and I think the rewatch will be um, more enjoyable down, down the line.
0: Totally agree and As Jen uh, Gets taken back home the tow truck driver Arrives and had sent, Takes her back home we see what happened A few days earlier with Josh So we see when uh, There's a three days earlier on the title Screen and we see that Josh Goes right into the night that She takes him into the apartment and He copies her phone When she's asleep and he takes A video of them having Sex and then pictures of her I mean, yeah. what a horrible dude. He texts Hulk King, the guy that is the leader of the intelligentsia, and he texts mm-hmm. him emojis, just a blood syringe and uh, the thumbs up here. So, man, this yep. dude. <sighs>
1: this dude, Working he's for a, the big bad.
0: Yep. Working for the big bad and an absolute D-bag. So, I mean, it, episode seven coming out of it, we're still feeling like, Come on, we haven't had Daredevil. It still feel, was feeling like mm-hmm. there might be a lot to wrap up, or where exactly are we going in these next two? But they hit it as we moved to episode eight TK, Ribbit yeah. and Rip It, the <laughs> title of episode yes, eight. Sir. As we get the uh, previously on, and I love that this time Jen says, previously on my show, uh, which we hadn't seen before, mm-hmm. we open up this episode with Leapfrog, Eugene Patillo. Another one of these low level superheroes. He introduces himself as Godfrog and he's trying to stop a robbery. <laughs> Guard uh, frog, right? Guard frog. <laughs> uh, yes. And he's he's trying to stop a robbery, but his suit catches fire. A couple guys are stealing TVs out there, and yeah. he's he's just a total dork. This this is a guy who doesn't have any actual superpowers. He's just the son of a rich a rich man. So he has yeah. extra money, and he wanted to buy a a really cool superhero suit from Luke Jacobson. The problem is, this suit catches on fire. So he thinks he was sold a faulty suit. He asks Jen to represent him. We actually see that as the episode starts. He's telling Jen the story of what happened, and we're we're getting cuts of it as yeah. he's explaining it to her.
2: So um, really well he, done. I love the way that they cut. Uh, completely agree. You, yes. I,
0: I kind of forgot when I was rewatching it again that it was that mm-hmm. he had even been telling her that. It just sort of felt like it yeah. was the real scene right off the bat. I thought they did a really good job of it, and you can you can see it's like a noticeable mall too because a lot of this is done in in L.A. and in Southern California mm-hmm. here. So these are places that you probably have drove driven right. by at some point and seen. Sure. Um, it's like this big warehouse. Uh, it's like a big like Walmart style store that they're stealing TVs from. but <laughs> Leapfrog comes to save the day. and um in the comics, this guy is a total dork, but he's someone that we we come to find the more and more we're getting into these shows, Tim, that most of most of the people out there are aren't just good or just bad. like mo like most people. A lot of the characters have shades of gray to them where, Mm -hmm. you know, someone like Leapfrog in some cases is against the Avengers and is doing shady stuff. Then other times Mm -hmm. they actually need him and use him to help them out. So he's a character who goes back and forth. But in in this portrayal, he was portrayed a little bit more kind of crazy and evil. Mm -hmm. And sort of while we're talking about him, he like he he reminds me of kick ass of Red Mist. Right, like the character who has all the money. Who's like, hey, look, I know what I need to do to be a a bad guy here. So I need to spend a bunch of money. I need to have a cool like layer. (laughs) I need to drive around in a cool car. That's sort of what Frog has here. And but I will say his layer, which is called the Lily Pad, yeah, is it's like a it's like a spoof of like Batman sort of layer, but it it actually looks like reminded me a lot of Poison Ivy. Because it was so green uh, with all the – right. you know, like it's, there's plants all around. There's frog memorabilia. There are actual arcade games, Frogger arcade games yeah. in his lair. <laughs> it's like, hey, if there's anything green at any store, just pick it up along the way and, and bring it right. on. Over, you know? Um, yeah.
2: And I always mention this, but it had uh, shades of that uh, Foot Clan – hide out 100%. from the original Ninja Absolutely. Turtles in there. I, I love mentioning that whenever I, 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 I noticed that. Uh, I also want to point out, like, I think it's a really cool thing. Uh, and MCU does this a lot, uh, but you kind of touched on it, where um, Leapfrog, uh, he's, you know, he's, Kind of ambiguous in the comics, where he's a good guy or a bad guy, and then this, he's he's the villain of the episode. But he does he's he kind of he's misguided. He means well. Like he he doesn't want to be a super villain. He wants to be a superhero, but he's doing exactly. super villain things to do that. So yep. I thought that was a nice way of handling that.
0: He, you're hundred percent right. He's misguided. Like a, a lot of the you can see the characters that they've introduced in this show as people that either in the finale or at some point, Jen mm-hmm. enlists for help. You know, from right, right. El Aguila to Manbull to Saracen, you know, to the the group uh-huh. at therapy to maybe uh, maybe even someone like a leapfrog. But his catchphrase is time to ribbit and rip it. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, like we say, he he catches fire. His suit catches fire and he's blaming it on Luke Jacobson. Now, this sort of puts Jen in a weird spot because she likes Luke. Yeah. <laughs> like. Yeah. He's helping her with her suits. And yeah. I mean, you, you like Jen's pretty smart. She can tell right away that Patilla Eugene is just like a like a Snosage. She's like, oh, right. come on. And like I this guy, I like Luke. So she goes and asks her boss, Hey, Mr. Holloway, you know, is there any way I can get out of this? Can we have pug? She's been she's been down this road before
2: though. Think about this yeah. conflict of interest thing. Ex- it's just exactly it's a, it's a no it's a no go. <laughs> she's just and, gotta do it.
0: And he tells her, "Hey, look, you know exactly what you said. You've been down there. You've been here before. They're willing to sign a conflict waiver." Jen is sort of in a weird spot, though. She's like, "I like this guy, and I like my nice clothes, and I don't know where else to go yeah. to get clothes, and I don't want to screw this up." But
2: apparently, yeah, I mean, it's the only guy that can make clothes that fit both versions of Jen. I mean, it's not even just that he/she likes the clothes; it's it's almost a necessity to her. So it's and, it but, sucks that for as much she as you could lose was, out on that.
0: And then on the other side too, like for as much as her boss sucks, if you were sitting there and someone that worked for you said, Oh, but like this guy makes my clothes, you know what I mean? Like you would, you would say like, I don't care. This is a huge client from our firm. Like his dad spends a bunch of money." it just, I can sort of understand it's more of a big deal than that. But for Mr. Holloway, he's looking at Jen, like this guy makes your clothes. I don't care. Like, you know, this is. Patilio's son, he's a big client. You need to you need to help him. He wants to work with the Hulk. So she sort of agrees. Uh, Holloway says, "Hey, look, maybe you can go talk to Luke and we don't even have to sue him. Maybe we can have an agreement, a settlement before." So Jen goes over to Luke's and Luke, as you could imagine, is not happy to be being accused of making a faulty suit here. She Uh, She says, hey, look, I've been retained by a client who suffered injuries due to a dysfunctional suit. He says, excuse me, I've never made a defective suit in all my life. My work is impeccable. And I guess that was the the, one of the the few things in this episode that bothered me is just like, I, I guess they don't need to show us it. But I mean, I feel like Jen would have had a conversation with the guy about the suit and found out pretty quickly that like. Or, or Jen may have taken Luke's side a little bit here Like, okay, look, I know Luke He makes me close He made you a defaultive suit Like a defective suit Like, are you sure? Can we go through the process again of it? I just, I just feel like she may have found yeah. out That the guy put You know, he didn't follow the instructions And that was something that right. was quickly found out in court That was one of my only issues with this episode Is like, I just feel like Jen is a little bit smarter than that Like that she yes. may have not put herself in this position like this to just walk in there and have Luke hate her, I mean absolutely wh- I wouldn't yeah. do that to yeah. one of my friends. you wouldn't do that to one you would you would want to hear the whole story maybe from both sides mm-hmm. and then because she immediately just sort of takes the leap leapfrog's side on this, which that was the only thing I thought was a little disingenuous to her character,
2: yeah, it's silly and a little bit illogical for her to do that, and you're right she she would have in the course of. Uh, preparation for this case, asked a bunch of questions to, to Leapfrog, and she would have found out about the, uh, the jet fuel, unless he was lying to her. Maybe she did ask directly about, and that's, you know, and that's did you do anything point. different? And, and yeah, that didn't come up. But it was something that in the courtroom scene uh, that Murdoch seemed to know about, like that was something that he was going to press on and, and, and kind of inquire about. Um, at least that's what I kind of read between the lines in that scene. That's and a good point. Uh, so you he... would assume that Jen would, would have had that same thought, but you know, he's a really good lawyer. What do you say? Yeah.
4: You,
0: he is a good <laughs> lawyer and you're right. He may leapfrog may have lied or deceived Jen and kind of let it out. He's just a stupid dude, right? Yeah. He may have just let it out in the court cause he was trying to act cool. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. where we go next. We go to court. Jen is there representing Eugene and, uh, before, when Jen walks out of Luke's They they kind of leave it Leave it bad with each other You know, Luke is mad He yeah. destroys the dress that he's been working on for her That's on a mannequin He says she's never going to get another suit By Luke Jacobson ever again Blacklisted, absolutely blocked, Blacklisted reported. <laughs> and then Jen gets mad She says, I'm going to take you down <laughs> yeah. he, he says back I hope it's not down to wherever you get your ugly clothes from <laughs> he had so many good
2: lines. I, like, his delivery is so flawless. He
0: he says another one after where he says, "Of course, I'm not a monster." And then he rips her in the next line. It's so <laughs> it's so great, yeah. and it's just he hits he hits this character perfectly. Yeah. Um, he says goodbye, tragedy, and she leaves. <laughs> <laughs> like everything he says is gold. It's just money. So we're in the courtroom and Judge Price is there. We've seen him a few different times. He's uh, He's been the judge for a couple of the cases, I think, in episodes one and three. And Jen is there representing Eugene across the way. Luke's sitting there. His counsel is not there yet. But, man, it was like I think we were all kind of waiting and not sure exactly how they would bring in Matt Murdock. But you knew mm-hmm. that. You know, She-Hulk is, an, is a lawyer, he's a lawyer Maybe that could be something But when, yeah. when you have Luke sitting down And he's waiting for his lawyer to walk in It was just, it was a perfect moment Where I, I could feel it before he walked in Like, oh, okay, oh, yeah. I know where I know where they're going here yeah. Here he comes <laughs> And I, I just was very excited for our buddy Matt Murdock to walk in As uh, he's looking around He, he walks in and uh, he says, I'm here Apologies for the tardiness, your honor. I had trouble finding parking. Just a great, great way for a blind guy to come into a, a courtroom and make a joke. He's like, how do you, like, what do you say to this guy? You're like, oh, okay. And, and and he says, my driver got lost. I'm just kidding. My name is Matthew Murdoch. I'll be representing Mr. Jacobson in this case. sorry I'm late. As a first point of order, I'd like to ask that the motion to compel production of the defendant's client list be rejected. It's not relevant to the litigation. So he comes in, he sits down, he asks for something to get thrown out. Jen looks over at this blind guy that just walked in, and she says, who's this asshole?
2: I love it, yeah. And and it's a fourth wall break, too. This whole whole scene is chef's kiss right here, the introduction. Oh, my gosh. He comes in with such swagger. He's got jokes. All of a sudden— legal jargon it feels like an actual courtroom i mean i'm no law expert but this feels real to me and none of the courtroom scenes so far have felt real all of a sudden this uh, the stakes feel elevated uh, i'm invested and i want to i want to see what happens with the outcome of this of this trial like this is the best courtroom stuff that they've done yet hands down And what a great introduction of of Matt Murdock. I mean, uh, instantly likable, instantly kind of um, a threat in a way to our Mm -hmm. main character. He's formidable in a way that other characters haven't been. Uh, I I thought it was great. And you know what? It felt completely congruous with other iterations that we've seen on Netflix. Uh, I didn't feel any separation here. I didn't feel like you walked in silly. This wasn't a Monty Python walk into the room like, this was a, uh, this, I, I don't know. It was just a, a natural continuation of the Matt Murdock that we've known and loved, and uh, it fits well into this world that we're you know uh, we're doing with with She-Hulk here. So I thought this was very deftly handled, and uh, some of the best stuff we've seen on this this show. Period. But this is top tier MCU stuff.
0: So good. So uh, <laughs> uh, Matt says, Your Honor, I believe the information to be incredible, or uh, Jen says that she thinks the information is relevant. There could be multiple instances of Mr. Jacobson's other clients sustaining injuries from faulty merchandise. Now, Matt, if you just think about where Matt's coming from, I mean, mm-hmm. he's talking about himself. He wants to protect himself and his own identity. He says, "Right, I believe Mr. Walters will find that Mr. Jacobson's record uh, com- for customer satisfaction is spotless. Jen sort of counters. Well, if he has nothing to hide, why why not hear from his clients? Well, because that's an invasion of privacy based on a very shaky what if, which is cool. The <laughs> yeah. show that we've recapped and we'll be uh, talking about season two next year. He um, he references uh, an MCU title, Jen counters. Mm-hmm. This is a very common procedure in product liability lawsuits. It's material to the case whether this type of malfunction has affected other people. There's no right to privacy when employing Mr. Jacobson's tailor services. Matt disagrees, though. We're not just talking about a product. The very nature of his line of work is making suits exclusively for superheroes. That necessitates anonymity. And then we get a, a very important piece of oh, yeah. exposition. Oh yeah. The Sokovia Accords have uh, been repealed. Boom! Wow.
2: This is the <laughs> first time shot. we've heard about this. Yeah, that's major. Huge that is absolutely stuff. major, and now, it retroactively makes this whole series make a lot more sense. Uh-huh. That there's all With these the damages, you know, superheroes and stuff, right? running around, and yeah, mm-hmm. damage control, and, the, and yeah, all that stuff. Uh, so it, it it works very logically, and also. Ah, oh, how good it is to feel the sense of like an interwoven fabric of the MCU. That the beauty of it all, totally you know, agree. The, That connection to the greater world and the, you know the the story arcs of, of that and um, adherence to you know the, the things that they've done before and, and and acknowledgement of that. I think that that's all really important and it adds to the sense of realism and stakes uh, to this show and every show that they do.
0: And now I really want to know. Okay, like when did this happen?
2: At what point? What right. was the and what why? was the thing? Why exactly? Motivating factor? Are there still people fighting for the Sokovia Accords? Is that tied into what we're what we're experiencing this whole thing with the um, uh, with uh the Hulk King and 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 then yes. like are, are they conspiring to try to maybe reenact the Sokovia Accords? Uh, if we jump ahead to the end that of this was a, episode, because that was a thunderbolt flag.
0: Yes, right, and because that all involves Thunderbolt Ross, I believe, which was mm-hmm. tying back to the Sokovia Accords, too. And very, very good point. But Matt Murdock lets us know in court the Sokovia Accords have been repealed, and Matt is basically talking about himself now. He says, We're, uh, Jen Jen reminds him that superheroes operate in the public eye, so as a public figure. There will be some loss of privacy. Hey, we're not talking about celebrities, superheroes who have enemies who will try to harm them and people close to them, the ones who didn't ask to be part of this life. Miss Walters chose to have her identity be public, but she can't choose for everyone else. This isn't about privacy for privacy's sake. If this information is not protected, not only would it ruin my client's career, it could put a lot of people in danger and all over one man's misuse of a suit. That's some good lawyering right there Oh yeah, really good lawyering <laughs> That's some that's some good And Jen, like the faces that Jen is making oh, Are incredible All episode mm-hmm. Like she's yeah. looking at this dude like Damn, I hate this guy But he is like sexy And smart yeah. <laughs> and like sharp And just, damn it Why Feel is he it. on the yeah. opposite <laughs> side of me Right now Right. It's, yeah. um the judge agrees. He says, hey, the motion to compel Discovery is denied. Eugene says, what? I just mean I didn't. I don't get a new suit. He stands up and whines. <laughs> <laughs> she says, no, look. Uh, sit down. He Then he takes out the suit, and it's all burned up. And we get some awesome daredevil stuff here. As Matt Murdock just, he sniffs a little yeah. bit. And he can smell the fuel on the suit. And he can sense That it's jet fuel Which Eugene responds and says uh, Yeah I use jet fuel And Luke <laughs> Luke stops him He says what? My instructions didn't say to use jet fuel And he uh, uh, um, No <laughs> I, I didn't use jet fuel I love that Matt says He's lying Don't ask me yes. how I know I just yes. know
2: And then the judge here. Oh my gosh. Another laugh
0: out loud moment. We all just heard him lie. So, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Even the judge says, yes, we can all tell he's lying. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, even like his comedy was really good and the timing of it was excellent. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. I don't know if this is the case, but it sure just feels like they were very very careful and serious about oh, yeah. how they wanted to bring this character in and paid ex- extreme attention to detail compared you to maybe it. some other things that they just sort of, you know, let fly by. Everything with mm-hmm. him, like I can't even point out anything that I think of that I didn't like. I mean, honestly, it yeah. was pretty fun. It was smooth. The fighting stuff was good. The chemistry with Jen, like his quips were were funny, but they weren't like yeah. they weren't slap slap stilly like they were right but also kind of funny they weren't cornball stuff
2: they were in the moment logical character driven stuff nothing undermined the sense of who he was uh you didn't get him being like silly or acting out of character just for a laugh that kind of makes the audience go wait a minute is this even a real character anymore uh no it was all completely consistent with the character that we've known uh, and it was presented in a way that fits, I think, perfectly into the, the tapestry of the She-Hulk world uh, and the MCU proper. And, yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you. I, I didn't see one thing with anything about Matt Murdock, Daredevil, and the way he was presented in this episode that I, comp- I had to complain about. I enjoyed all of it. Uh, every shot, every line he had, all the interactions, uh, the, the romance stuff, the way he was, inspires say- and kind of teaches, Jen. Mm-hmm.
4: I'm
0: so corny that when we are talking about it It kind of gives me goosebumps <laughs> Like when yeah. we are talking about it like How much they hit a home run with it Because I love I really like this character And I will say The Daredevil Netflix show Is one of my it, And I'm going to say it's an mm-hmm. MCU thing now But it's like it's one of my yeah. favorite Things in all of the MCU And the Netflix stuff Because it was, it was so good And this character was mm-hmm. just Really well done, and I—you're I, always worried, and I was a little bit worried about the introduction with him, but, man, like, I felt so great a- after yeah. seeing this episode. And Jen jen hopes that since the case is over that Luke will help her and will make clothes for her, but he—absolutely he, not. He says, <laughs> uh, no, Jen, because I hate you now.
2: she looks so dejected there too i love how they shoot her from you know she she, they shoot her from a high angle so she's like really low in the frame looking up like kind of just begging at him and (laughs) she seems so desperate it's just huge letdown she's so crestfallen by the end of it so of course she's at the uh the legal
0: ease the bar and uh she's having a drink and as she's sitting there the bartender places a, another drink in front of her. Somebody across the way bought her an apple teeny. and it was uh, Matt Murdoch who's sitting there. She uh, he asks if he can join her, and he walks on over and sits next to her. He says, "Hey, I wanted to extend a peace offering." And then just immediately when they start talking, the chemistry is mm-hmm. just there. It's just yeah, it's just dynamite. there. Like between these actors, even you can just yeah. feel it. They're they're just flirting, and it's not. Mm-hmm. It's not like forced or cringy. It's just like boom, boom, boom. Uh, she says, "I hate it when people take the high road." So, what's your story, Matt Murdoch? You're from New York, but you flew all the way out here for a product liability case. <laughs> As, uh, he? He says, "Oh, you know, you're like you've been looking into me." Uh, yeah. <laughs> Luke Luke Jacobson made a couple new suits for me, so I owed him one. And she looks up at she looks at Matt and just doesn't really look like it. He says, "Oh." You're insulting a blind man's clothes. That's a low blow. He says, I and am by the way, pants. he, he looks
2: sh- sharp as fuck, by the way, he, he looks uh, sharp. He looks
0: yeah. great. And then he says, I am wearing pants. Right. And that was like, that's the one that popped yeah. her. Yeah. I think yeah. that was like, she was still at the very beginning, like a little, a little jabby because this is a like, honest. she's got an ego. She's a lawyer, right? This guy just beat you. Right. So oh, yeah. as much as, as much as he was right, you're probably still like, you know, you're having your drink and you're like, damn, I lost, you know, but then he comes over here and he, he makes you laugh. He buys you a drink. He says he's wearing pants or he asks, you know, <laughs> am, I, am I, I'm wearing pants, you know, <laughs> she's just genuinely laughing, but they, they get into it. You know, she says, you have your own practice, right? Um, and uh, she says, yeah, I've been checking up on you. You came out of nowhere and you made my dumb client admit to being even dumber than I <laughs> thought he was in court how did you know <laughs> about the jet fuel? And he just kind of smiles and he says, a he has a
2: nose for these kind of things. <laughs> yeah. yeah
0: oh, very well done. On Nicely done. TK. <laughs> Nicely <terrible>. done. <laughs> so, um, Matt asks about him. He says, so what's the deal with that guy? And Jen says, it rhymes with rich parents. Wait, <laughs> I, I said it was rich parents. Yeah. His dad is an important client. So he is an important client. And like, it's just something small, but this interaction mm-hmm. is just so real. Like you yeah. hear lawyers talk about this kind of thing all the time, and mm-hmm. I, I just not that long ago was watching Better Call Saul, and uh, Kim Wexler, mm-hmm. you know, doing the pro bono work, and one for them and one for us, and this like this just felt like a very honest conversation. And we've heard mm-hmm. Matt have to talk about this and deal with this before in Daredevil. And I run my kitchen and I run, I run my practice in Hell's Kitchen. We mostly do pro bono work. But on occasion, I have to take a bigger job with a a client when the bill starts piling up. One for them, one for us. Yeah. And uh, Jen sort of smiles and she says, "Wow, secret double lives of Matt Murdock. How does he do it?" Mm. <laughs> she has no clue. She yeah. has no no clue. Um, but Matt explains to her, "You're in a unique position to do some real good, because he is also in that position, and she doesn't know this yet. But you know." He has experience as a lawyer and then a superhero who can help get people cleared from, you know, unfair laws. And then if the laws don't work, he can take it into his own hands. And Jen kind of likes that. I mean, she's – when he says, you know, the way I see it, Jen Walters can use the law to help people when society fails them, and She-Hulk can help people when the law fails them. So – you can if you oh. choose. And Jen actually finishes his sentence, be the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. And like right as they're they're starting to really get flirty, Matt's phone rings. And then Jen, like, so he goes, Oh, excuse me. He goes off for a second to answer his phone. And Jen looks at us and, and she goes, We're all feeling this, right? Right? <laughs> like, we're all and uh, yes, Jen, we are all feeling this. We are feeling this. We are together. <laughs> He's feeling you. Let's do this, Jen. Like we're all on team yeah, Jen here. It's go with her. time. Yes.
2: It's, yeah,
0: absolutely. It's go time. But of course, it can't be just so smooth and simple. We have to nope. get a, a text from Todd. That's that Snosage Todd. That gross <laughs> tech bro with the She-Hulk fetish. And he texts her um, and he says, I was assured GLKNH is a 24-7 firm. i can call holloway and ask if that's inaccurate what a like what a douchebag of a text
2: to send to someone insane and it was like three seconds after he He had sent the initial one which is yeah yeah which was like and it was like just the the place and the time and like eight o'clock meet me here like out out of nowhere and within a minute uh he's already texting that really, uh, passive aggressive, maybe aggressive He's basically threatening to tell on her to her boss. Uh, and then what makes that even creepier is that when she gets there, uh, he completely skeeves out on her and then, and, and, and uh, tries to be a perv and, and hit on her. And it's not a professional thing at all. So he just
0: completely wastes her time and yeah. Matt and Jen, Matt, like Jen wants to have one more drink with Matt But Matt has somewhere right. to go so they, Matt they wants don't... to have
2: one too You, you can feel have that moment
0: They do, they have this where But Matt has been called to work uh, yeah. what, what kind of work We're going to find out yeah. in just a moment uh, But Jen sort of left I think a little bummed Because she was starting to feel it with him But you no, know, Matt's not from LA He's from New York I think she just sort of didn't really think much of it again yeah, so she she goes over to meet with Todd, and Todd bought an authentic Wakandan war spear. <laughs> yeah. and this dude says, uh, "Of course, I win the auction—a milli, <laughs> <laughs> uh, a million dollars."
2: She just leaves him hanging. I love the way she just leaves him hanging, just stone faced on this. It makes it very says, clear that she's like, "I am not impressed." Like, God, this bad. is, yeah,
0: you know well, the. She was great here. Um, Yeah, yeah. Todd shows her a picture of himself with this Vibranian spear that he bought. Bro, how cool is that? I mean, I own that now. No one is collecting (laughs) African shit on my level. I love it. I love Wakanda. You know, I actually studied abroad there. And the the picture, of course, is him with the spear with no shirt on. Like, that. I love that little, like... Of course, this is a guy who would take pictures of himself with no shirt on. You know what I mean? And like, I didn't even
2: connect that. That's so funny. He's that type of dude. And it's like, (laughs) of
0: course, you know, because he's not even in like fantastic shape, but he sits there with no shirt on thinking that he's so confident. Um, And he says, okay, look, you know, I, uh, we can drop this whole coy thing. And he starts to pour her a drink. You know, she was asking, is there a legal issue? She says, well, they want yeah. it back because apparently it was stolen by colonizers, but whatever. <laughs> I mean, I got the receipts. <laughs> and as he gets like – tries to get a little fresh with her, he grabs her hand. Yeah. She just says, uh-uh, absolutely not. She stands up. She pushes the table right back at him, yeah. and Burr. she's just like, hey, look, I'm out, and I'm billing you for the whole hour.
2: <laughs> I love that. <laughs> that she great. handled that really well uh, because she that was completely crossed genuine. the line there. That was genuine.
0: That's That was really. Oh, yeah no one's going to take shit from a guy like this in real life. Like you get right. to a point where you're like, okay, no, I'm out. I don't care what the money is. I'm not just going to sit here and take it.
2: Right. And that's one of the things like earlier on, you were almost like, this is not realistic that she's taken it. Uh, totally so at agree. that point it, it was, it, it felt like, okay, this is overdue. This is what she would, how she would treat somebody uh, like that. And it almost retroactively makes it okay that she kind of took it earlier in the, in the series that, that she eventually stood up for herself, uh, and she's got the added anger behind it of like, you know what, you interrupted something that was, you know, kind of. I, I, I had a connection going on with this guy. Yeah, he got called away for something else too. That's besides the point. But you know that what you think you can just interrupt my life for for this, it's it's disgusting. But yeah. also, I've been thinking about what's going on here in this moment, and the vibranium? The kind of the the vibranium spear mm-hmm. the question he asked earlier in their original date about can vibranium penetrate her skin Absolutely. the whole thing with the manufacturing of that um that that syringe that uh, they're trying to get her blood the intelligentsia yeah. and, so and Todd is, Todd is at, King,
0: right he is at the dinner or he's at the awards um that that awards right. at the end when they like where they her? yeah he's sitting at the table with the boss, with Holloway. Uh, you just yeah. sort of see him in the background real quick. So I, I don't yeah. think he, he's not just a, a background coincidence character that keeps popping no. up like this. He has to be no. part of that intelligentsia.
2: Maybe he is Hulk King. Or-, or second in command to Hulk King. Maybe Hulk King is um, Thunderbolt Ross. Uh, and I, I just think it's very interesting that um, we had we had Josh, right? He He slept with her in a recent episode, I don't know how many days ago it would be from from here, but just recently he slept with her and he's working for the intelligentsia. And presumably if Todd is at the head of that, he's, you know, he knows everything that happened about uh, Josh sleeping with her. I think that Todd might think that she's a slut and that he can actually get away with this at the time. So I think what he's doing here, my theory right now is that he's got the syringe and he has this inflated ego where he thinks that he can actually take she hulk home and he's going to do what josh did but this time he's gonna he's gonna get the blood himself i think that's where he was going with this whole rendezvous at night that's just a, a theory just a hunch but i think just having that connection to josh and seeing that oh he slept with her i could probably sleep with her too i mean he works for he feels me
0: like that kind of you a know, i'm a rich would guy think that yeah i know he does so he's like entitled the
2: cunning... like that yeah i think that's why he's going for it in this moment He's, he, so, he thinks of her as a slut i mean that's what they call her at the awards later
0: end of a long day jen goes home to lay down but you know how it goes as soon as you lay down that phone immediately rings and it's it's eugene She says miss walters it's leapfrog listen you got to help me i think i'm being attacked she says legally or physically he, he says definitely physically <laughs> but i mean <laughs> maybe legally too which <laughs> 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 another really one that
4: It makes you laugh when you think about it Um,
0: He's on his way to the lily pad Is that a place I'm supposed to know? Jen asks (laughs) Yes, it's my famous secret lair I just need to find my friends He drops a pin on his phone with his location So Jen can see where he is As uh, she notices Okay, you're close I'll I'll come to you, we'll meet in the middle But before she leaves She gets the superhero suit To put it on I think she yeah she thinks about what Matt Murdock may have just told her. You can sort of see that she stops at the door and right. sort of senses it, right? Like, oh, okay, maybe this is where I can help him outside of the uh, the the law.
2: <laughs> what now, else is she gonna wear?
0: Right? Exactly. What else? She's going wanna wear the suit. You don't wanna mess the suit up. <laughs> so she arrives on the roof of a parking structure, and Leapfrog is pulling up. And Daredevil appears and we hear that mm. Netflix theme song yep. as we get the full sort of look at him from bottom to top. And he turns, mm-hmm. he's in his new uh, yellow and red, yeah. kind of the Hulk Hogan colors of the uh, <laughs> of the suit that he's got here that was made by Luke Jacobson. This is more um, on the color scheme with the comics. And mm-hmm. it, it kind of makes sense when you think about where we came from. With Daredevil and where we left off He was being mimicked In the Mm -hmm. suit There was someone that was wearing his suit around That was trying to sort of turn him into a bad guy So now Mm -hmm. he at least has Some different color scheme here Changing the suit up a little bit So it's not the same exact suit that he was in before And And it's
2: brighter too I think the gold is a little more hopeful You know, it's a a shinier, brighter um, Mm -hmm. I think it's symbolic Of that this is a new era For him Uh, I mean, the show, the series that he's going to be starring in is going to be called Born Again. So it's a soft reboot. And this is the MCU. So it's a little bit lighter fare than what we got in Netflix. Netflix could be very heavy, very morose in a good way, uh, very dramatic. Uh, And I think that this is going to carry over a lot of the weight of that. But also, you know, like what we see in this episode, have some of the lighter side, some of the fun, exciting, adventurous aspects of, you know, what Daredevil does.
0: So we get a. Little daredevil, She Hulk battle here yeah. as Jen punches the ground, and I loved, I loved what they did. So the ground is falling out from the They're on like the top of this parking structure, mm-hmm. and the ground's falling out, and he's able to like r- like run from side to side as the pavement is falling. Yeah, he like like balance himself. It was like a ninja warrior type thing that you would yeah, see. Yeah. Where he's like, runs, 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 leaps. He's just using incredible balance. And he. You gets know what back it reminded up. me
2: of? It, uh, one of the Lord of the Rings, I forget which installment, but there's a, a, a iconic moment in, I think it's Return of the King, the final one, where Legolas is like running up a collapsing uh, bridge or something like that. I could picture it. This is a better version of that. And like, because a lot of times that gets a little bit lampooned because of the physics just make no sense on it where it just doesn't look right. Like he's bouncing off of these things that are falling, but it's arguable about like with a light foot running of an elf, if that could be possible with the physics of that world. Uh, But that's, um, that's a huge tangent, but it just made me think of that because I thought it was a well done version of a very similar iconic shot there. And
0: these are the things I thought they did really well with daredevil. Like Mm -hmm. all of the stuff that stayed true to the, the, the way he fights, the way he moves, the the and, way, like, his acrobatics, yeah. right? Like, his athleticism. They
2: were, they were able to take it a little further than they did on Netflix, yes. too, where Netflix was very grounded. And this was grounded, but they were able to do, like, you know, a CG uh version of the of the character and kind of integrate that with the live action shots and they were able to get some really great acrobatics out of that that didn't feel weightless It didn't feel no. like a rubber band you know, cartoon around on screen it struck the, the perfect um real like element of realism there uh while also being like it, something that uh, no human could actually do and
0: and it was very comic um honest to the comics like that's how mm-hmm. he was e- in the comics Absolutely. Like- Every And anything that they may have slightly tweaked about the Matt Murdock Daredevil character, any of Mm -hmm. the tweaks are actually more authentic to how he was portrayed in the comics. He was a little bit lighter, a little bit sillier, Mm -hmm. not like a parody or anything, but he Mm -hmm. just wasn't so much of like a brooding Batman type character as he was in the Daredevil shows on Netflix. So he actually says to Jen – uh, after he he kind of es- escapes her first uh, her first attempt, you know, Jen says, "I'm gonna whoop that ass," and he says, "Huh? My
2: ass remains unwhooped." <laughs> Beautiful. He's got quips you know? like it's yeah, and that wasn't like a it wasn't a cheesy one. It was it was just a re- retort to what she said. It felt logical in the moment, and it, it makes you like him. You know, he's like ah, he's got this guy's got bars. Okay,
0: <laughs> so he actually leaps off the roof. Swings from the side of the building and he lands on the floor in an awesome superhero pose, like a total poser. And uh, (laughs) he tries to chase out. um, (laughs) Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely impressed. He tries to chase after Leapfrog, Eugene, but Jen also jumps down and they start to battle now on the on the bottom floor. We uh, we do hear Leapfrog drive off with uh, the ribbit and rip it. (laughs) <laughs> he, yeah. Funny every time It is yeah. It's like it, it, re, it, it reminds me of like if one of Milo's toys broke And it just kept saying the thing over Rib it and right. rip, it, the rip it and rip it Rib it and rip it rip it and rip it rip it and rip it You know it's like it's just a broken thing that just <laughs> Over and over Um, So this makes really sense now Jen does the whole clap Which creates mm. sound waves That, that yeah. basically like paralyze Matt, for a yeah. few minutes, you think about it. Daredevil, everything for him is all about his hearing and sound. So his sensitivity to sound—I mean, something like this could have killed him.
2: Yeah, and it also probably just—you know—concussed him too. Uh, the the thunderclap li- literally crushed cars around him. So the amount of actual force that the air hit him with was probably—you know—bone-breaking for a normal person. Uh, but uh, yeah. With his super sensitive hearing, you almost might, would uh, assume that more damage would have happened to him. So uh, lucky that wasn't the case, or at least uh, the writers chose not to make that the case. So Jen
0: walks over and takes off the mask, and we see Matt. Yeah, she says, "Matt, wait, do you pretend to be blind? Because man, that's really problematic." Yeah. <laughs> that was the first thing she said to him. Yeah. No, no, I'm blind. Relax. She says I have a a spatial method that I use to see. Oh, like echolocation? Yeah, kind of. So what we're getting here are yeah. like Daredevil, kind of like a crash course a for maybe some of the people yeah. that didn't didn't know or hadn't watched the series, or maybe just a little refresher um, of who yeah. he is and some of his abilities.
2: Which, but it, a light it, touch, not it, not heavy-handed at all. Exactly, it, it didn't feel like we were it weighed down. To by it wasn't hit you over
0: the head exposition. Yeah. It was just yeah. well done because these are questions that Jen would want to ask him. Like mm-hmm. they're – very logical. He says, no, uh, basically, I have really good hearing, or at least I did. Yeah. Um, so then she asks, why were you attacking my client? Hey, LeapFrog's the bad guy here. He kidnapped Luke Jacobson. He's holding him hostage. Hmm. <laughs> Jen said, Dude, why didn't you tell me that before we fought? Yeah. Why didn't that. you <laughs> ask me before you tried to <laughs> whoop my ass? <laughs> yeah. she, she said, I'm sorry. I assumed the guy dressed as the devil was the bad one. <laughs> he said that, I guess. Point. <laughs> That's a fair point point." And yeah. even like all of these little quips And stuff, they're funny Like they're, yeah. they're really good, they're well timed They're good little back and forths And um, She uh, he, She asks So uh, are you like a superhero? And I love the way she smiled When she asked him, you know, she was kind of excited And yeah. he says uh, she, she asks <laughs> Like, like the,
2: the gold devil <laughs> His he response said. is perfect. Said, I love this. Like,
0: I'm, I'm Daredevil.
2: Yeah. Know, and he's kind of hurt that she doesn't know. He's I'm really
4: <laughs> you don't yeah. know me?
0: You don't know me. Then he Daredevil. takes a beat
2: where he kind of leans back, like, What? <laughs> you like, don't?
0: <laughs> like, like, oh. <laughs> and, and she says, like, It's very daring to use ketchup and mustard as your color scheme. <laughs> and he says, Oh, hey, you want me to tell Luke? She's like, no, 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 please, please, Ooh. no, no, <laughs> don't tell Luke. And uh, then, then Matt asks her, "Hey, have you ever, uh, you ever destroy a parking lot before?" And like Jen looks back and surveys yeah. the damage. Like, oh, good thing those Sokovia Accords have been repealed nowadays. Mm. Like, I'm not going to be held responsible for any of this crap. But uh, <laughs> the the two of them arrive at the lily pad. It's a, it's like a warehouse that says lily pad on it. Big, yeah. Big title. And uh, on the nose. leapfrog is, he's like going insane here. And, and when we see him here, he kind of looks like he's kind of like a Riddler almost, you know, yeah. he's definitely like he's kind of talking his plan out like a crazy person. He's like, OK, OK, uh, for version two, we got to go all out. And yeah. he has Luke Jacobson. He's he's forcing him to make him a new uh, to make leapfrog a new costume, a new suit. It says, a bulletproof mm-hmm. shields, fancy AI, with a British voice that talks to you. Hey, Jarvis. <laughs> so, hey, they're, uh, Interesting so,
2: parallel there, too, because I'm immediately thinking of Iron Man. Uh, forgive me, I forget the name of the, the character, but the man that um Tony Stark meets in the cave who helps him build the suit. Is yes. a scientist who's been kidnapped to help, you know, uh, to make these... Uh, 10 rings guys, uh, uh, a, a missile, I believe is what they want him to do, but he ends up making the suit, the, uh, the mark one for, for Tony there. I thought this was a, a similar kind of a scenario here. That was an interesting parallel, uh, but a perversion of that.
0: There were a few things that happened in the next couple of minutes that just, again, made me laugh. I think I laughed actually out loud more in episodes like the middle <laughs> of seven and eight, then maybe in mm-hmm. the first six all put together in yeah. just a few, like, yeah. like, um, so as, as Luke is kidnapped and being forced to create this suit for this crazy dude, he says, I don't know who told you, you could pull off this color, but you should go back to them and shoot them. You know, he tells <laughs> he says that to all the guys got him in yeah. captured. And, um, <laughs> and then we get, a total hilarious moment between Matt and Jen, where where they're looking inside, and Matt explains the difference between henchmen and goons. Yes, I loved it. I mean, iconic. This iconic. is great. Jen yeah. says, "I can't believe this dodo has henchmen," and Matt says, uh, "Actually, I can. I bet these goons work for his dad." He says, goons hmm. and henchmen, completely different animals. Henchmen <laughs> believe in the cause. Goons. They're just there for the paycheck. So fun.
2: It's great. It's a, gr- it's a great de- deconstruction of, you know, what we're watching here. You know, a superhero show or, or, or comic books in general. Like, I, I love it. It's adding to the canon in a really smart way. And it's just simple. He says, look, yeah. there are
0: 25 goons in the building, seven below us, eight in the front, 10 in the hallway. And now Jen's starting to get impressed with some of his skills, right? Says, How do you know that? I can hear their heartbeats. She her response here was incredible. She says, Yeah, I mean, you, you can hear their heartbeats.
1: Come on. The way she
0: said, come on, yeah. it was like, come on. That's a little far-fetched. And, and then he looks up at her and then he looks down at her heart and he looks back at her. And it's like time stops. Everything yeah. in the world stops. These two Just are. Hypnotized just yeah. in their own world they lock eyes the term eye screwing was created for this <laughs> you know we're, we're talking yeah. about cheer sex here tk if you remember bring it on like this is what this is right. what is happening and i mean jen is like in a trance but she kind of like shakes yeah. it off and literally Matt, yeah <laughs> snaps says, out of it he says i can hear yours too your heart's beating pretty fast and yeah she said, what? "What? No, no, I'm healthy. I'm, I'm, I'm healthy."
2: And he—that was a funny line too. Again, like she snaps out of it and goes, "I'm healthy." Like she gets defensive about having a a high heart uh, rate. Like that's just perfect. It was a perfect moment to to break the tension there. And like, man, and my he heart smiled. was racing during that. Me <laughs> yeah, too. yeah, And then yeah.
0: you just see the smile on his face. You know, like yeah. the smirk where he's um, like, "Got her." <laughs> they. They talk out the rest of the plan. He says, okay, I'm going to sneak in, take out the goons in the back. It'll take me 15 seconds for each one, so wait here until I've gotten all 10. She says, I'm not going to sit here for half an hour when you pick off those goons. He said, that's not how the math works out. Not even close. <laughs> she says, I'm a Hulk. Let me just smash our way in. But he has to tell her, look, they have weapons, and stealth is the way to go. I've done this a million times. Have you ever broken into a warehouse full of goons? But she's, hey, look, a uh, She-Hulk is indestructible Remind me who has the superpowers I'm pointing uh-huh. at myself I <laughs> feel like she said that and He says great. He says, oh yeah, I know I have echolocation, remember <laughs> <laughs> Just let me do my thing And then uh, Jen goes, okay, yeah, let me do my thing And she kind of dances around this is <laughs> This is even a little, like This part wasn't needed but it just made me yeah. laugh. Like he could have jumped off he could have jumped yeah. off the roof ten seconds before, yeah. but he turns mm-hmm. around and says, You don't have a thing. Like you don't <laughs> yeah. ever do this. And he's he's yeah. laughing at her. You know, he says, Just follow my lead.
2: It was just I t- love that dance she does too. It's like it that was, it's like a Fortnite dance or something. <laughs> it's good. It great. was
0: really, really funny. And um <laughs> he leaps off the building and she's she's impressed and she's like, Okay, right. I guess that's pretty good. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> and it was. <laughs> now we go back into the lily pad and a couple of Leapfrog's goons are in a hallway chanting. I mm-hmm. I played this clip over, I think 10 times. This, <laughs> I died laughing so hard when mm. one of one of the goons says they're, they're talking to each other. Says, so I said, I respect that you want to dress up like a frog, but that does not mean I'm cool with being a baby frog.
2: I, just, <laughs> I, just, I, I I missed that in the episode. I have to admit, I watched it twice. It I didn't was, I didn't catch that. That's hilarious it So it was so funny. It's just like that's really funny.
0: He's walking by with a guy at work. Like I said, okay, you want to dress up like a frog? That's fine, <laughs> but that do, that does not mean I'm cool with being a baby frog. And it just and he said, Wait, I thought he wanted to call us tadpoles. <laughs> <laughs> it was just It was it's so stupid But the guy <laughs> Beautiful and fit, so. It fits It is and, and, as, and it's it's sort of It's such a dumb funny line That it makes you laugh It kind of throws you off the scent for a second This guy's mm-hmm. about to get nailed with a baton Right From above <laughs> by, by daredevil One gets hit with a baton Then a door opens and it was kind of like a horror movie scene when the door yeah. opens and it sort of mm-hmm. just creaks open. And then all of a sudden a body comes flying out up against the wall. And we hear yeah. that Daredevil theme again. And here And comes. this
2: is yeah, this is Netflix Daredevil. Like yep. to the to the bone. Like this is what we've been missing for you know the last few years. And they did a perfect homage to what that show did so well. So iconically, again, I said iconic like 10 times this episode, but, it's, but like, it's, yeah, they, they, it, it applies.
0: <laughs> and, oh, it's awesome. This is the badass Matt Murdock daredevil using the walls, kind of parkouring around, yeah, yeah. you know, and he, he's taken out three guys here. So now there's five overall that we've seen him take out in about a minute. So there's your map. Mm-hmm. She-Hulk, as uh, yeah. as five more guys though with crowbars mm-hmm. run out standing across from him
2: and I now- love how during the fight you hear on the radio to the backups on the way so they're adding that tension and then you you see those guys come around the corner and there's just and it's it's ah, stupid leapfrog
0: yeah. it's stupid leapfrog I think on the radio mm-hmm. cuz he says tadpole 5 repeat he's calling them tadpoles <laughs> Like the guy just said earlier, it's like, come on, I thought he wants to call us tadpoles. What the hell? (laughs) So um, as this group of guys starts to make their way towards Matt, Matt looks like he might be in some trouble. We get a She-Hulk smash, and Jen (laughs) drops right in to smash them, and she tells us She-Hulk smash.
2: Um, Great. It was perfect. Like, I I was so amped up in that moment for a continuation— yeah, 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 yeah. Because you're reveling in this moment of like, holy shit, they're doing an, a hallway fight scene with Daredevil. This is what Daredevil's famous for. You're like, and and they shot it in this way that was really cool. They edited, it, they're like cutting back and forth from one angle of the hallway, the opposite angle. You see him standing there in silhouette with this really dramatic lighting. You're getting tighter on him with each cut back and forth, just ramping up the the tension in the room. You just know something's about to go off and you, you're expecting it to be more Daredevil action, but then you're reminded quickly, nah, this is She-Hulk, bitch. <laughs> like this is She-Hulk show. And it's it's done in a funny way with a, a big action moment. And then it, it, it kind of puts the, the stamp on that scene, a big exclamation point on it. And, and it has a, a, a funny ending to it that doesn't like, it subverts our expectations, but not in a way that like subverts our satisfaction. To it, like yes. it's still very satisfying to see that and it fits you know it is she hulk show so yeah we, we should have an opportunity to see she hulk smash here and then she she puts the cherry on top with that line too you know like it, it, it's um it's kind of like in uh thor and thunder how uh lady thor she wanted to have her, her uh what, what, exactly. sorry the mighty thor i should say she wanted to have her her catchphrase and and uh she-Hulk, in this episode, she found her catchphrase. I mean, it was, again, a, uh, a feminized version of you know, her male counterpart's catchphrase, but nevertheless, it worked. She-Hulk smash, it just sounds right, and it was a great moment.
0: So Jen busts through a wall into the lair. in the lair, yeah. I mean, <laughs> we've got green mini trampolines all over the place. She picks <laughs> up a Frogger arcade yeah. game and throws it. Yeah. And he goes, hey, that's vintage. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, oh, more hench goons is what she calls them. <laughs> I love uh, that, yeah. And Leapfrog's like, what are you doing? I thought you're my lawyer. You're supposed to be helping me. She says, I am. I'm helping yeah. you. I'm Literally. stopping you from getting into even more trouble. So Jen goes over and she frees Luke all while Daredevil is fighting off some of the goons. Yeah. She, she gives <laughs> Leapfrog some legal advice. Eugene. Stop now before you rack up even more serious charges. Legally speaking, we could say this is an episode of mania. But while he's yeah. beating some ass, yeah. Matt Murdock, he has an opinion. I love yeah. that he chimes in to give some legal advice while he's just kicking ass over in the corner. I, you know, I'd angle this as more of a form of traumatic expression due to undiagnosed yeah. PTSD.
2: And she's like yeah, – yeah, he's doing good. law consulting in the middle of you know spinning kicks. <laughs> like, it's brilliant. Like it's...
0: this should be like a thing for him. Like he can yeah. be a consultant while he trains. You know, he can kill yeah. two birds with one stone. Just sit there, like get the punching bag and you know give people advice. <laughs> Leapfrog said, So the devil ninja guy, he's a lawyer. <laughs> Matt just says, No, I'm just a big fan of legal dramas. <laughs> yeah. That's that's the line that really gets Jen here too. Cause she mm-hmm. looks over to us and goes,
2: "Oh, this guy's really kind of doing it for me." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the fourth wall in this episode—um—what was that? The third, fourth wall break, and it's not even the biggest one. And it, they're so good in this episode, the way that they used the fourth wall breaks to add comedy. To give us a little bit of insight into what was going on in Jen's mind, uh, with her you know romantic interest, and then also to add tension later in in the episode, uh, they really knocked uh, the fourth wall breaks out of the park in this in this episode, among many other aspects.
0: So, uh, Leapfrog tries to for, first Jen and Matt battle off the goons. One of them tries to hit Jen with a bat. It has no impact. She just kind of tosses him. And Leapfrog tries to escape by jumping out the window
2: through the glass. <laughs> Again, another big laugh.
0: Keep in mind that like he doesn't have any superpowers or anything. Mm-hmm. So the guy just gets hurt. Like he just tries to just jump out the window. And he just breaks <laughs> yeah. his legs. It's just like it's some
2: pretty funny stuff. And I think um, he yells his catchphrase too. He goes ribbon and ribbon and ribbon rib and, rib <laughs> and then just immediate crash and then ow! Ah! <laughs> Like that's, that's, that's comedy right there. What else do you want?
0: <laughs> so the cops arrive and they're cleaning up the scene. Luke forgives Jen. Says, so I guess we're, we're even now. Um, And she asks, you're going to make my dress? He says, of course, mm-hmm. I'm not a monster. Try not to get too bloated between now and then. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that, again, just like he sends me.
0: So Jen, in a very. Just superhero, Batman, Spider-Man, Daredevil visual Up on, like, a rooftop Jen goes yeah. to sit next to, to Matt And she's just regular Jen at this point But Matt, yeah. Daredevil, is in his his full Daredevil suit She asks, are you going to give a statement to the cops? He says, I'm not really a stick-around-and-talk-to-the-cops talk kind of guy <laughs> And uh, she says, oh, so brooding Um <laughs> And he says it's more of a secret identity thing that you wouldn't understand, which is really a cool point, I think, in this episode, too, is that mm-hmm. we get to see the difference between the superheroes with a secret identity and the ones yeah. that don't have one. Matt is a superhero with a secret identity. Jen is not. Mm-hmm. And we see both kinds of them, these superheroes in the MCU. But but they each have equally or they each have their own sets of problems that may be equal. Yeah. But but different, right? The type of problems that someone like Matt may have is different mm-hmm. than someone like Jen. And this leads back to what Matt was talking about in the courtroom. He, he wants to protect right. the people that he loves, you know, the Foggies and those people because he doesn't want them getting hurt. For Jen, yeah. she's in kind of a unique position because, I mean, she doesn't really, I guess Matt doesn't either, but she doesn't really have any family or really even anyone other than like Nikki that's that close with her. And mm-hmm. so maybe being like a single person for her, her identity being out in the public, it's not as if she's jeopardizing people's lives quite as much. The only other person in her family that right. people know are, is kind of Bruce, and he's also a Hulk. I maybe it's a little yeah. bit different, but but I do think the dynamic is kind of fun to see how there are different kinds of superheroes, some that we everybody knows, like an Iron Man, and then others yeah. like a, a Spider Man, you know that that was the entire point of the Doctor Strange movie that right. we, we can't know his identity.
2: I, I think that's an interesting conversation for a lot of reasons. Um, for one, I think it's foreshadowing uh, maybe potential problems that Jen will have uh, down the line. Um, you know, like you, like you mentioned, she doesn't have a family in that she's not like a, a wife or, or a mother, but she does have a family of, you know, people that she cares about, uh, friends, uh, coworkers, as well as her dad, her, her cousin, uh, you know, that she does visit with, we saw in, earlier on in the, in the series, and we know she has a good relationship with her dad. So there are people that could still be harmed or targeted, and that could play a role down the line. So this could be a very early introduction of that. I also feel it works to foreshadow in a different way a different kind of um, secret identity uh, uh, interplay that's, that's happening in this very episode where she gets doxed. Later in, in, in this, uh, at the uh, gala, later in this episode, yes. uh, she her, her secrets and her private life, you know, uh, is revealed to the world. And in that sense, it's kind of commenting on how we all have, you know, secret double lives in, in a sense, like nobody Absolutely. would want their... The contents of their phone, like shared with just everybody, no one every and single, yeah, 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 everything that they thought or said or whatever, like private moments to be shared with everyone. You keep certain things private, and that's 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 you know how humans are. Uh, and so she's dealing with uh, you know her identity being revealed on a different level in this episode. And I thought that, that was a a great move by the writers uh, to really explore that. It's something that's relevant to our you know society doxing revenge porn things like that uh and it's super damaging um you know to anybody and it's something that would be um in, intensely uh affecting to to you know jen and the, the, uh and one of the things we've been looking for again this whole series is you know some real opposition and some real struggle or challenges for jen and she really faces that uh toward the end of this episode
0: so these two have uh this Mm. really nice back and forth where she she thanks him for his help and he he says no thank you she says no you're the Mm. one who helped me and matt says "Uh, i was the lead superhero on this that line (laughs) just made me laugh so much too like i was the lead superhero on this she said no you were the guy who wants to spend a half hour picking off each goon (laughs) one by one and then matt goes you know counters well, you caused excessive property damage, and you still can't get that math right. And they're yeah. so flirty and like smiley and cheesy. You can feel
2: it. You can
0: feel it. And then yeah. Jen asks, "When do you uh? When do you head to
2: New York?" This is tomorrow. She's cutting to the point here too. Yes. Like the emotions kind of shift. You 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 sense that. Absolutely. And she's 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 being upfront with him, like with the with the tenor of her voice. Of like, I'm getting serious. Like, I want to know what what our next steps are because I'm actually feeling something. That's all in the subtext of that one line right there. I, and, I love the performances here.
0: And you just sort of think of where Jen's been through the last few episodes of this. She's dating all these douchebag guys. Yeah. She literally just got railroaded by an awful guy <laughs> who yeah. tried to pretend for, you know, at least a couple dates like he was a good dude. And now she meets <laughs> a guy who is, like, she can actually share a lot of stuff with. They both can actually be themselves, like both sides of themselves with with one another that they really can't yeah. with other people. And she, you know, she asks him when is he leaving. He says tomorrow, and she kind of says, "Oh, well." And she looks a little sad. But he asks her out. He says, "Hey, maybe next time I'm in town, I can take you out to dinner." And she says, "Yeah, or maybe we can skip all of that and just beep." She has a- <laughs> She has a different idea, TK. <laughs> quick flash to Daredevil and Jen kissing, heading into her apartment. They get it on. And this is just great, man. This is like we love these two characters. We want to see them both happy. We know that in Netflix, Matt was a Matt was kind of a womanizer, too. Like he wasn't a bad yeah. dude in any way, shape, or form. Uh, but oh, yeah. he was very really popular.
2: Plus. With the lady, <laughs> yeah. you know, he definitely, yeah. absolutely, he does. Yeah, that, so. that was another thing that was consistent that they brought over here. Like, he, he got laid on, on Netflix. He's going to continue to get laid in the MCU. And I stand by that. I stand for it. It's it's uh, what we all want to see.
0: Now, they go into the bedroom. They close the door. And uh, the next morning, one of the all-time great shots yes. is Daredevil in full suit with helmet on doing the walk of shame, (laughs) holding his
1: shoes,
0: (laughs) holding the shoes. And this woman is walking a dog. And I got to say, I got to give a little shout out. The dog that she's walking looks just like my pup uh, that I lost just this past week. Uh, I think it's like a Boston terrier there. And I was like, I think I looked at it. I was like, Oh, this is almost like a little bit of a sign. Cause it, I Mm. saw it just a few days after. And it was like, Oh, okay. It made me in a weird way. It kind of made me feel better. Like, that bug was kind of sending me a little, a little moment, uh, a little hello. But he, he, remember, I mean, he's not from L.A. He doesn't have a home here, so he doesn't, you know, he was just here overnight to do a a case. He has probably doesn't have a whole bunch of extra clothes, and this was, yeah. this was really, really funny because Jen and and this is where things get a little bit like disorienting, maybe or mm-hmm. a little bit awkward because Jen walks out and she's looking at the camera, and she's breaking the fourth wall. Yeah. She's like, why are you guys still here? Doesn't this, this episode should be over. And it's like the end of Ferris Bueller. Exactly. For Deadpool. Yeah. And then Nikki busts in, and she says, why didn't you answer my calls? I thought that you were dead. <laughs> By the way, there's some guy outside dressed in a devil costume, but he's doing yeah. the walk of shame, because <laughs> and, and Jen smiles. I, yeah. <laughs> and Nikki says, oh, you did with a and Jen says, yes. And Nikki <laughs> says, oh, all right. And we're happy. Oh, yeah. we're happy. <laughs> and Nikki says, all right, you're the devil. And uh, so did, Jen's just not sure why we're still around, though. She said that this episode already came to a very satisfying
2: conclusion. <laughs> Another me. laugh out loud, just standout and, uh, moment of the show. <laughs> Just Great dub on Tandra. really good.
0: And she says, "I don't, you know." She's trying to make sense of it, and then, and then Nikki, uh, Nikki says, "Come on, you know, we gotta go. I'll get you ready, hair and makeup." Uh, they have to go to the gala. Jen says, "Oh yeah. wait, the gala? That doesn't feel right." But that next episode—that's the finale. Just like a tacked-on set piece at the <laughs> end of the season. Um, this is the big twist, <laughs> isn't it? But the question is, what kind of twist? Like. There's another Hulk, but this one's red. Or like, I'm getting fridged, yeah. which is a funny thing for a woman to say about some of the
2: female tropes there. Yeah, um, it's kind of kind of an extension of the Bechdel test. I know they're not directly connected, yes. but they they're, they're related uh, in a way. Like deconstructing stories uh, and criticizing them based on. Um, for for listeners who don't know, like getting fridged is essentially when a writer. Um, makes a character, sacrifices a character, kills off a character, and it's usually a woman character uh, for the sake of a male character uh, to have to affect that character's arc and journey. Mm-hmm. And so you're kind of sacrificing, uh, in, in essence, the, the story of a, of a female to serve the story of a male. And so it's, it's something that people have been critical of uh, with stories because it can be a little bit of a trope um, and a cliche.
0: So Nikki jumps out, getting ready to do Jen's makeup, and she has these makeup brushes all in between her fingers, like Wolverine. When she jumps out, she's all ready yeah. to do it. It's like another Wolverine reference here that we've had yeah. a few of in the show. And then you know we know uh, we heard from from Hugh and and uh, Ryan Reynolds that he's going to be coming, so they're teasing yeah. us even more with that, and uh, we head to the gala. Nikki and Jen arrive. They're all dressed up. She's in a beautiful silver sparkling dress that Luke made for her. Mom and dad are there. They're very proud. And Pug's there sitting at the table with her. Nikki uh, and Jen walk the red carpet. So this feels like it's going to be a really big moment for her. We (laughs) head inside to this event. As soon as you get inside of this event, it's like such a patronizing thing. It's, Mm. It's almost like a beauty pageant for these women. You know, instead of like an award ceremony for them winning a an actual award, the, the MC yeah. of the event sets it up. He says this year's female lawyer of the year award goes to Jennifer She-Hulk Walters, Kara yeah. Hunter, Alice Chen, <laughs> Joanne Torres, Barbara Wells, Mallory Book. So there are six women that all win. They yeah. name Jen first, so it feels like Jen's the winner. And then they name
2: the other five. So yeah. Um, I love a few things about this uh, before we go on. Like, please. First off, uh, the thing that struck me instantly was Pug's reaction. He just inst- immediately, when they say Jen's name, he goes, let's go. It's just, it's so genuine. perfect. Uh, he's such it's, a good it, dude. It's genuine. He's so, super stoked on it. And also the way he did it, like that was very much Pug. Like he's got these like Zoomer affectations. Like he's a little bit anachronistic, like he acts a little younger than his age and his his, his status. So I thought that that was really funny and and in character right there. I also, you kind of touched on it, but the patronizing aspect of it all, like they laid that on very thick, but it was, uh, I thought it was well done the way that they did it. And it actually goes all the way back to when they first started talking about the uh, the awards. Um, they showed it in the flashback at the beginning of this episode, but when Nikki brings it up, she goes, I didn't know you were nominated for female lawyer of the year like there's this pause yes. right after female yes. which I thought was so funny because like they're, like they're highlighting the fact of like why are we separating this you know it seems kind of arbitrary and it's silly like when you pause it right there why? I didn't know you were nominated for female like that just sounds funny by itself but then the idea that uh, they're going to nominate or or award it to five people like just give the trophy to everybody but even before that he's he's describing what they do and he's like they have to do everything a man does except backwards and in heels like that right there was so yes. patronizing and like old-fashioned and just ugh, irk, it irked me a little bit just hearing it but it it didn't in sound way. inauthentic it, like yes. I, i've heard that before you know so i was like okay yeah good point here like do better society <laughs> I, I i get you i get where the show is coming from with the writing on that
0: so when the women are all up on stage the mc asks them now tell us what it's like being a female lawyer. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh my God. And, and the first woman says, "So special and empowering. I love it." And then they ask <laughs> Mallory Book, and she says, "Twice the work, half the recognition, and you're constantly being asked what it's like being a female lawyer." Which was yeah. just there weird. it is. Jen, you know, she's pretty happy right now, though. If you think about where <laughs> she's coming from, she just had a good date. Yeah. A good, you know, she met an, a, a guy that she likes. She's, she says, I actually want to take this time to thank my parents and my friends and my esteemed colleagues with whom I wouldn't be here today.
2: Which is a boss move, by the way. Like, they set her up, like, to be, to be kind of a joke right there. But, like, she she owns it and twists it and, like, you know, I can do what I want with this moment. I'm going to make it what I wanted it to be. Like, I thought that was a great little touch there to how she handled this before Absolutely. everything goes to shit.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. She She is looking great right here. She's coming off really well. Yeah. And then she gets interrupted The entire ceremony has been hacked The big video board has been hacked And there's a voice that says Do you want to see who She-Hulk really is This is the truth presented by Intelligentsia She-Hulk does not deserve your attention She does not deserve your praise She does not deserve the power she stole from the Hulk And Jen is trying to get it cut off So what we're seeing is like a, Like a picture of Jen and then It'll flash all of her information, her credit card stuff, her bills, some of her mm-hmm. statements. There are pictures and stuff from her phone in there. And then the voice tells us she's a slut. They're literally slut shaming her right here. We see that Josh, who slept with Jen in a couple episodes back, he filmed the. We actually we didn't see that he had filmed the whole yeah. thing. We just saw that he took a picture of her laying like in the bed afterwards.
2: Right. But he and that he copied her phone. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He had filmed their whole like sexual encounter. So her friends, her family, her coworkers are all having to see this video of like you awful you know being intimate boning down with somebody else and like in she is furious. She's getting enraged. You could see she's (laughs) building up. And Mallory tries to stop her. She says, don't yeah. do it, Jen. Don't do it. But Jen cannot stop herself. She punches a hole right through the big wall in the video board. She destroys the uh, – she destroys some of the equipment. And she actually – punching through the screens. She cannot control her rage. And its alarms are going off all over the place. People everywhere are scared. They're running. And this takes us back to what Bruce told her in episode one.
2: Right.
0: There's going to be a point when people see you as a monster. And that's right. what is happening here. She is no longer the sweet, cute She-Hulk that everybody kind of has fun with. They think she's yeah. an animal right here, an absolute monster.
2: Yeah, and I, 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 for a moment, I questioned the kind of like validity or the realism of that reaction from the crowd. And it's something I talked with my wife about, actually. Um, uh, that why why would they be so instantly turned on her? They would they would kind of understand why she was smashing the screen. But we we kind of talked through it and it was like, if you're in there, if you're 20 feet or or so from that screen, and this you know this person who is you know technically a monster smashed that screen with such force that it exploded. And and like the the sound and the crack, the like the the visceral feeling of being in that room next to that happening would be very scary. Um just are to like are you really gonna have the mental
0: it. capacity to stop and think, Oh, you know what, yeah, she's probably in I'm, the right. No, you're probably just right. gonna flee,
2: you know? Right. That that would be scary. Like that, like and people don't know all the backstory or everything like that, and they don't know where it's gonna stop if she's smashing the 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 screen and she looks enraged they don't know where where that ends so it, it makes sense that they would react the way that they did it was like a huge explosion went off on the stage that it was the equivalent of that i mean the 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 electronic stick did literally explode and the amount of force and the sound of that would be really um it would be frightening to be around to be that close to so it it made sense to me but again i'm i'm uh Thinking about man, Jen is damaging a lot of property here. Like she's she smashes through the building after this. What what's the uh, what's the, the sum total of the, the damage that she's done is, in these is, last two episodes?
0: <laughs> it's hard not to think about things like that, right? Like how much damage yeah. is she doing? But you and and I'm glad that you pointed that out because I had the same thought. Like in my head, I'm talking it out like really everyone's gonna just spin this on Jen? But mm-hmm. yes, that's what happens when you react that way. Even if you are in the right, the reaction right. is more violent. What that's scary. Remember that's scary yeah, because we absolutely. actually see Jen going after one of the intelligentsia guys. We can see a couple yeah. of them in the room. They have masks on and she starts to run after them. She actually has one of them in her grasp. Yeah. And, and then the DODC, the officers, they surround Jen. They point their weapons at her. Jen has to. Let go of this guy, they actually let the guy run off. He just runs right away. They don't even stop him, they don't even try to contain him. Nobody cares who hacked this thing and who was doing this to Jen. All they care about is the reaction from Jen and what she did. And and that's where we're left with the episode ending. Jen looking at us.
2: Another fourth wall break. Another great fourth wall break.
0: What the did you yeah. just see all of this? Are we all watching the same thing? Like, what mm-hmm. the hell? And now, for the first time in the series, we really feel like our hero is in a compromising position because now Big time. it's it's more about it's more than than just one episode monster of the week. I have to deal with this case. This is about how people look at you now. She right. was pretty well perceived by a lot of people, and now. Some of them think she's a monster, and that's something that you may never ever be able to get back. Like Bruce has said, you, you can't just turn it off. You're right. you are a Hulk. So she, when she looked at us, you kind of felt this like you kind of you really felt it. And now heading into episode nine, you wonder mm-hmm. is she gonna need to get some help? Maybe she's gonna need to mm-hmm. ask a, a lawyer that she just maybe a cousin? knocked boots, knock boots with, yeah. maybe. Maybe she's right, going right. to Bruce. Maybe she's going to need help from Blonsky, Abomination, and uh, El Man, Manbull. Yeah. I would love to see uh, some of our favorites, Wong. Maybe uh, yeah. what Madison? Maybe Madison. Right. You know, like I'd love to see uh, a cobbled together team to help Jen out of her, you know, her problem in the uh, the finale here. So it just. In talking with you and in talking these two out, it feels like we are both in such a better place right now heading into the series finale than where we were Big a time. few weeks ago, where we were like, ah, I don't know, man. Like these, these might have been my two favorite episodes back to back, but this yeah. one by far was by, by far, far yeah. with everything they did with Daredevil. I'm not worried at all moving forward. Like I think they hit the tone mm-hmm. of him perfectly. And I'm so excited for if he shows up next week. When he shows up in his own show, possibly in echo, wherever we see him again, yeah. I think they, they did it right.
2: Yeah, I am super happy with the way that they presented Daredevil and the way that these episodes, and particularly this eighth episode, um, ostensibly fixed a lot of the issues, even going back to earlier episodes. One of the major complaints about episode one was uh, how Jen is, you know, kind of talking down to Bruce. She's this know-it-all, and then the show kind of presents her as being right in that moment. That yeah, she she is able to handle her her anger, and uh, you know she's better than Bruce at almost everything. But now we get to this point in the series where we kind of see Bruce's point come come back, and we see that she has you know she isn't uh, this infallible character. She has made this mistake that she thought she couldn't do. She's crossed lines where that that she thought where she was completely in control of that. Uh, and so now we're seeing that that what what she was uh giving us and giving bruce in that first episode was hubris and that was what i was hoping for at the time that she, that she was going to be you know taken down a peg from there because yes at the end it's of the day nobody's perfect uh, and we don't want our boring main character when everything
0: to be perfect. it was boring when everything seemed a little great for her right for a right. lot of this series everything is going well people like her people love her her only struggles are really like okay she's single, but it was, mm-hmm. it was like, okay, she doesn't have a significant other, but her job is good. She's good looking. Mm-hmm. She's well-received by the public. She has a pretty good relationship with her family. Like there wasn't a whole
2: lot of bad. Um, yeah. And now, then the whole thing is supposed to be the bad, you know, thing or the challenge, but she was just acing it across the board. Yeah. So it's like, where's your challenge? But now, here we are. <laughs> the
0: public looks at her a different way and mm-hmm. she's being blamed and for, I mean, she just got slut shamed. She literally yeah. had had somebody put post revenge porn. Yeah, and and it's like it's her fault. So I, it's really mm-hmm. really interesting where we are now, and they have set yeah. up our main character for a fun finale. Oh, TK, I feel so much better yeah. right now than just a few weeks ago. Uh, I really do. And uh, Matt Murdock, awesome stuff with Daredevil. I can't yeah. wait to talk with you about the uh, the series finale when we're uh, when we're done, and maybe we'll we'll have uh, some more movies to talk about. I didn't get a chance to watch The Werewolf yeah. by Night um, yet, same. But I'm, yeah, um, I'm looking forward to you and I are recording this on Saturday. I think I'm gonna probably watch it tonight, a little later on mm-hmm. uh, tonight. So, so I look well, forward to I, that, yeah. and we'll we'll share some thoughts on uh, on that.
2: Um, yeah, in uh, in a couple weeks, but man. Great, great feedback from that too. We should say like any, everything I've heard of people who saw it that said that it was really good. So
0: I'm excited now moving forward, yeah. TK. We just have one more episode of She-Hulk to talk about and, uh, and then yeah. we're finished up, but it was you and the th- anyone that listens to these shows or any mm-hmm. of my content, let me just tell you, I will always be honest. If something is, yeah. if I think something is good or bad, I would much rather have it be good I would much rather like, I don't want to critique things. If I don't want to crap on things because it's harder to watch a lot of the times, it's harder to get through the things that I like are so much more fun to talk about. It is not as if the first seven, six episodes were bad or I hated. They just felt like I I was almost thinking a couple of times, like, I don't know if this show is even all that important to where we need to be breaking down every episode that I was thinking that in my head when we were talking about it. Now I yeah. feel a little bit different where we are. I just, like this, Yeah, it took a while, but we're here, and I'm pumped for the uh, finale, <laughs> and you're going to hear Same. me and Tim talking about it next week. We might be a few days late talking about the finale just based on the schedule, mm-hmm. but we will definitely finish up with uh, She-Hulk in the next week, week and a half. We'll talk some werewolf by night, and Tim Kelly will be here with us anytime there's a new Marvel MCU tv show or movie he is our main man in the world of marvel tk my friend it's always a pleasure chatting with you thank you so much for helping us out with thank this you. one i know you have uh, some travels coming up so safe travels there and uh Appreciate if you it. talk next week or in the next week and a half uh it'll be very interesting to see where we we finish up with she hulk and, uh, and where we're going uh moving forward
2: yeah i look forward to it let's see how they stick the landing and uh move forward with this werewolf by night and then we got a lot of other things uh on the slate uh after that so uh, i'm stoked to keep talking about these shows and movies with you and see what the mcu has next for us when you find a
0: friend that you can sit down and talk for hours about (laughs) some of the things that you love you want to keep those friends you want to make sure that you lock them down Uh, i've got one of them right here tim kelly who's here with us each and every week talking marvel talking mcu make sure to give tim a follow at tim is not funny on twitter and on instagram check out the music project that he works on and uh, any of the great stuff that's going on With Tim and his family Thank you so much buddy I, I always appreciate the help And I look forward to talking to you again about the finale Thank you Folks don't go anywhere We still have a lot more to discuss on this episode of That's What G Said So a heavy fandom episode for you Where now we're all caught up Andor will be set up for episode 6 coming up And Andor has these 3 episode arcs So we'll be basically ready for the the Closing of this particular arc And then We'll talk She-Hulk, the finale with Tim Kelly coming up. So we'll have these uh, shows recapped and reviewed for you again in the next week or so. We'll also continue on with everything going on at Santa Anita, the great racing there at Keeneland. We'll always be talking... NFL, and we'll keep checking in on the MLB playoffs. Basketball season is right around the corner. There's so much happening, and we appreciate you hanging out with us here on That's What G Said. A big thank you to Tim Kelly. A big thank you to Trevor Hayes. A big thank you to Michael Foster. It was really nice catching up with those two, talking some Star Wars, and I think they'll be back helping out again with more Star Wars content recaps and reviews. Have a nice rest of your weekend, folks. Good luck playing Santa Anita on Sunday.